is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Tuesday already. It's cold and it's dark and it's wet. Sorry about that. Tough. I struggle getting up this morning. Normally, the alarm goes off, boom, I'm up, I'm there. This morning it was hard work. I was really not feeling the urge to get up. But I watched 15 minutes of Dragon's Den. Yeah, I taped it. And that kind of set me up. Seeing that couple sell their tarpaulin covers for caravans really was enough to give me the boot up the backside I needed. On the show this morning, lots and lots of stuff, including... Drivers in the three counties caught committing crimes on camera. Oh, I see what they've done there. By members of the public. What have you spotted motorists doing on our roads? The fire at the St Albans recycling plant is affecting water supplies to the area. Our reporter Justin Dealey will bring us all the latest news. And there's a new... This one gets me angry. There's a new etiquette guide for cinema goers. What annoys you most about other people in the cinema? Lots of ways you can get in touch. You can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, start in your text 3CR, or you can give us a call 08459 455 555. Had to think for a second there. BBC Three Counties Radio. Once, during screening of um, the terrible film Paranormal Activity, I told a young lady to... um, uh, How can I phrase this on the radio? Kindly shut up. I didn't say that. She was talking all the way through it on a a, a mobile phone, and someone told her to be quiet. She went, yeah, all right, whatever. And she was quiet for ten minutes, and then she started talking again, and I very loudly said, would you shut the bleep up, please? I put the please in at the end so that it would sound polite. But would you shut the bleep up, please? And uh, she did. And then I went and complained afterwards to the manager. And after a 20-minute argument with him, got my money back. That's what I'm talking about. What annoy... There are lots of annoying things at the cinema. Why do they... I, I buy the, um... What are they called? The nachos. Are they called nachos? Nachos. How do you say it? I don't know. I don't know how you say it. But I say, I say nachos when I order them. And maybe that's why they've been giving me a funny look. They're noisy. And it turns out the crunch that you hear in your head when you eat them, other people can hear that crunch as well. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, nine. Now, police in the three counties have begun receiving warning... Uh, people, sorry, in the three counties. People in the three counties have begun receiving warning letters from the police after they've been caught on camera committing crimes filmed by you, by members of the public. A new website has been set up called policewitness.com and people are encouraged to film others committing crimes. Then they're told to upload it to the website. So far, one motorist uh, caught on the A508 between Milton Keynes and Northampton has appeared in court charged with dangerous driving. Four other people in the Thames Valley Police area have received warning letters from police after they were caught on camera. Well, our reporter Victoria Cook has been looking at the site. Good morning, Victoria. Morning. What's it all about? Well, this is quite a new website, quite a new idea. It's um, been set up so that, just as you say, if you are able to catch people doing something wrong and it doesn't have to be driving it can be antisocial behaviour all sorts of things some cyclists for example have helmet cameras if you are oh do they oh for goodness sakes all this footage can be uploaded to this website it's a sort of portal so the people that run the website then will contact the relevant police force and say look we've got this footage would you like to have a look at it there are number plates on here and if you go on the website there are a couple of videos that you can see Um, mainly what they ask people to do is to go onto YouTube which is another video website I'm sure a lot of people have heard of that and you then What's it called? You YouTube. YouTube. I should check it out. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Do check it out. Um, but what they say to people is set up an anonymous account so that it's like police witness 
405 okay. and then then upload it to the police witness website if you, if you look at the site it says it seeks to encourage active community policing where normal members of the public can take steps to ensure they don't become victims of crime antisocial behavior or dangerous driving and like it says we provide an easy and effective way to report the incidents that you capture on video so there's quite a lot up there wow. Uh, I'm surprised that cyclists have got cameras in their helmets. Oh, for good. Cyclists are always on the moral high ground anyway because they cycle. And now they're filming me driving. And uh, I think that's come from people who maybe overtake really closely yeah. to the, the cyclists. And, and it's not only cyclists that can get special cameras for their helmets, but actually if you go on the website, yeah. there are cameras that you can get for your cars now, Whoa. which sort of sit underneath the rear view mirror. And they're very small. Yeah. So say if you were driving dangerously you you overtook someone and you did it really badly you'd never yeah. see that it's not like a great big sort of you know television camera they've yeah, got yeah. in their review mirror it's very small but it captures your drive and then if if as you know if you have got a camera and you do capture somebody driving badly you can go up on this website what were the people in the thames valley area court doing well there are four p- particular videos of interest um one one particularly shows somebody who as you know if you have to give way to oncoming traffic because there's parked cars on your side of the road yes so this motorist with the camera in their car had pulled over to give way to the oncoming traffic there's parked cars on the left but the person behind them didn't want to wait so overtook them parked cars and squeezed between them and the oncoming car and just at the last minute managed to get through there's other things like undertaking red light jumping uh talking on a mobile phone in a van in the fast lane that's the the thing that annoys me people talking on the phone when they're doing when they're going around a roundabout and they're they're on the mobile phone come on now steady one one-handed yeah Although saying that, my dad in the 70s used to be able to roll a cigarette whilst driving up the motorway. I don't think you're allowed to do that anymore. I think they've changed the rules. I think they might have. Okay. Now, these people that are caught on camera, what what happens to them? Well, so far, like I said, this website's quite new, so I think the police are still thinking, how do they they deal with yeah. the information that's coming through that way so what we've heard so far is that these warning letters are being sent out obviously they can see these motorists number plates and they can obviously uh, they can write to them and say look we've seen this video of you doing x y and z this is a warning and that's the sort of letters okay. that are being sent out so far but um, as we mentioned earlier one motorist was in court last week charged with dangerous driving and that was on the a508 from milson Keynes to northamptonshire um they've pleaded not guilty but the video shows them overtaking a vehicle it's a single lane road they overtake the vehicle but rather than just going around them there's a set of bollards in the way so they end up going on the wrong side of the road around the bollards and then pulling back in front um so thames valley police so far have sent out four warning letters and um they they say they they will send out a number of these warning letters before prosecuting it's it depends on what they've done really um if you look on the website one driver in a dvla van was caught parking in a bus stop whilst his colleague went shopping and he's been issued with a fixed penalty notice quite ironically good uh, you've been lurking behind bushes, filming people driving badly, have you? I I have, yes. I thought it would be interesting this morning to hear from the people of Beds, Hearts and Bucks to hear what they've seen people doing behind the wheel. So I thought you might like to have a listen to what I've been up to. OK, let's see. It's just gone four o'clock. It's rush hour in Luton and I'm standing on the side of Stewart Street. I'm going to stand here for about half an hour and see how many people I can spot breaking the law. There's a female driver that's just gone past me on her mobile phone, completely oblivious, just one hand on the wheel. There's a Volvo driver that's just gone past on their mobile phone, and they're actually right behind a police car. Ah, there's my first texter, approaching a speed camera 
with a silver mobile phone in one hand, one hand on the wheel, and absolutely no attention being paid to the road whatsoever. It's wet conditions, people are braking to approach the speed camera, and that guy just didn't have a clue. That's the fifth person on their mobile phone. Ah, now the traffic has started to slow down in front of me on Stewart Street, and I've noticed that as people start to come to a bit of a stop, a lot of the phones are coming out. That's the second texter I've just seen. One eye on the traffic as he's creeping forward, the other on his phone as he's texting. Well, this guy's just gone round the corner with one hand on the wheel, and the other hand is using a mobile phone, a bit like a dictaphone. There goes the ninth driver on their mobile phone. That's the 12th person on their mobile phone. That guy was driving along with his head, I can see him going off into the distance. His head is completely to one side as it pins his mobile phone against his shoulder. So he's got two hands on the wheel. Unbelievable. Well, I've been standing beside Stewart Street in Luton for half an hour during rush hour. And I've seen 14 people on their mobile phones talking whilst driving without a hands-free kit and four people texting whilst driving, one eye on the road and one eye on their phone. Incredible stuff there, Victoria. Thank you very much for that. You see it all the time, people on their mobile phones. There's a lot of people on their mobile phones, but maybe if they uh, think that people are driving around with cameras in their car, they might not. I'm in two minds about this, to be honest. Thank you, Victoria. What, what do you think to listen? Is it a good idea, or is it... Um, oh, it's a bit worrying, isn't it, thinking you could be fil- filmed without knowing you're being filmed? But I guess... What, 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 we've mentioned this before, and it always gets a big response. What kind of naughty things have you seen other, other drivers doing? Women putting on makeup. You don't do that, do you? No. No, I've, I've seen that a lot, and I know it's a cliche. Saying that, I've also seen a man having a shave. Not a, <laughs> not a wet shave. He, wasn't, he didn't have a bowl of water, but he had an electric razor doing a shave as he's been driving. What have you seen? Uh, 08459 455 555. Oh, fantastic. Ollie Moores. Do you like Ollie Moores, Victoria? I do like Ollie Moores. One of my favourites. The, the modern beef Moores, that's how you say it. 08459 455 555. What have you seen naughty drivers doing? Load, we've all seen them on the mobile phones. Very naughty. Having a cup of coffee is that bad? But women, I've seen women doing their makeup in the car. That's, that really is, is totally inappropriate. We're also asking you uh, for your cinema etiquette. We'll get to this later on. There is a, a kind of a list of cinema etiquette. I've had a, a, tech, a, a tweet that I can't read out. What car? I can't read that out. It starts off, I took a girl to the cinema once. She was really naughty throwing popcorn about. Plus she told me she'd had a bit of her body pierced. I can't even I can't even allude to what that bit of the body is, not even in the slightest. So instead, I think I'll just do this, shall I? Yes. Oh dear, what car? You've given me a heart attack there. Anyone else grooving out? I'm grooving out, I'm literally grooving out. I'm on a swivel chair that's on wheels, and I'm grooving out to it. I like that man's voice, the deep voice. And <laughs> once in another life I did a, a whole <laughs> a whole three-hour phone-in on who could make the who had the lowest voice. Mine was very low like that. <laughs> it was good. Literally three hours of people phoning up, trying to do a low voice. Yes, I know. I know. Not at the BBC. That would be completely inappropriate. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the phone number. Naughty things you've seen at the cinema. Naughty things that you've seen drivers do. And here's something you're definitely going to uh, want to talk about if, if you live near... I drove past this again this morning, and I forgot this fire. I forgot all about this fire. And from about half a mile away on the M1, as you're driving up the M1... 
you can say it's incredible it this is incredible it looks if anything bigger than it did yesterday that can't be possible but it looks like it if you live near the scene of the huge fire at the wood recycling company in st albans bad luck you might be out of water it's likely to be the case for as long as the 20 foot high pile of wood continues to burn the recycling plant went up in flames at midnight on saturday after this pile of wood caught fire residents are outraged that neither the county council or the environment agency listened to their concerns about the height of the wood and the rubbish kept on site. Well, yesterday, Victoria Owen uh, from the environment agency admitted they have had problems with the site in the past. There have been fires previously on site, but that was nothing to do with wood. That was all to do with compost. We um, visit the site regularly. We have an environment officer who comes down to the site and um, we took action in July. We served an enforcement notice on the site to reduce the volume of wood that they had. And then in September, we served a suspension notice for the input of waste, which means that they can't actually take anything onto site, but they can still remove from site. So this was to try and bring down the levels that they had. Well, BBC Three Counties reporter Justin Dealey is live at the scene again today. Morning, Justin. Morning, Ian. Describe exactly where you are and what you can see. Well, uh, I have to say, it's pretty much the same as yesterday, Ian, Mm. to be brutally honest. Um, The flames are still a good 20 foot high. We still don't know when this fire is going to be put out. It's Apps Pond Lane in St Albans. It's very, very close to Hemel Hempstead, which is why you can see it from Junction 8 of the motorway. It looks, I I was saying, driving up the M1 this morning, it it looks as big as it does yesterday. Yeah, it it is, and of course, we still don't know when it's going to be put out. Lots of people looking at this fire for the very first time. People travelling from north into London and vice versa. People saying, what on earth is going on by Junction 8 of the M1? Well, we spoke yesterday to Group Commander Paul Hardy, and he was saying to us that the water supply in this area is particularly poor. Now, that's having a knock-on effect to the locals here, Ian. Catherine Riordan, she lives around 500 yards from the fire, and she's had no water since Sunday. Which is not great for her. We're going to be catching up with her a bit later on. But it's got to be said that, that unfortunately, the people locally, they're the ones who are suffering with this because time and time again, that they are not getting the supplies that they need. Catherine being one of those people, she's got a two-year-old toddler and she's having to use other people's homes for a shower. That's how bad the situation is. Why why are they not having any water? It's it's because the, the fire services are using all the water. That's absolutely correct, yes. Yeah. The, the fire service are using the water. It's uh, particularly poor in this area. So the fire service is taking up all the water they possibly can uh, to try and fight this fire. And, of course, it is not the first time that we've been here uh, dealing with a fire. It's happened time and time again. As I say, I have spoken to Catherine. Hopefully you can better hear that now. Catherine, okay. we're inside your home here. You do have power, but you have no water. What are you being told? When are you likely to get your water back here? Um, at the moment, we're being told at the earliest, probably Wednesday or Thursday, um, but no real indication of when it will definitely come back on. I mean, just how frustrating is that to be without water and you're being told it could be three days, it could be longer? Uh, it's very hard to kind of plan ahead. Um, obviously, it's OK to live for half a day or a day like that. You can manage with, you know, no washing up or not putting the washing machine on. But I've got a toddler. He's two. Um, so he creates a lot of mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and not being able to, you know, wash up after him, put him in the bath um, and even just keep him basically clean is, is quite a worry. And obviously, it's general sanitation issues as well. So I presume you're going elsewhere. If you've got a two-year-old child, as you mentioned, he's got to be cleaned. Uh, where are you going for that now? 
Um, at the moment, I'm um, begging and borrowing and stealing from friends. So this afternoon, we all went round to a friend's house and um, prevailed of their hospitality. But um, yeah, not sure really. It depends how long it goes on for. And our listeners were very, very angry about this because they were saying everyone could see it was an accident waiting to happen. Uh, you again, like our listeners, totally go along with that, don't you? Absolutely. We've been watching the um, pile of rubbish get bigger and bigger and bigger there over over recent months. And, um, you know, it, it clearly was an accident waiting to happen. And my frustration is that it could have been prevented. I'm sure, it, you know, I'm hoping that it would have been prevented and I don't understand now why everyone else has to suffer from what looks to us like a company that's been quite negligent. You can look along this road and you can see the site clearly. You're about three or four hundred yards away from it on the A4147. What's it like along this road with the lorries because your house is actually on this road? Yeah, um, we get a lot of heavy traffic um, from the lorries. Um, normally they come thundering right past the window, um, tend not to adhere to the speed limit, um, you know, which is a concern for us anyway, again, having a young toddler um, and living on a main road. Um, so it's been quite nice respite over the last couple of days, not having any of the yeah. lorries coming <laughs> past, I have to say. Um, but hopefully maybe this will make people think twice about whether they are allowed down a road like this and, and the fuel that they're carrying. And should this recycling plant be shut down? now once and for all because we're talking here about this fire there's been previous fires as well is it about time now it was simply closed down once and for all i think so yes definitely yeah i think they've had enough chances and um from what i can understand you know they've had enforcement notices given to them in the past that they haven't adhered to as you say it appears that it's not the first time that this has happened so i think enough is enough for the local residents and for the good of the environment and the community so there you go the words there mm. Catherine reed and we got there on the end apologies about that That's but right. um, she, she lives locally here uh, affinity is her local water company and she hasn't got a major issue with them because they're doing all they possibly can so for example last night uh, they were delivering bottles of water to her which is fine but of course she needs that hot water she's got a young child she's been here for nine months or so i also said has it been nine months too long well no because she does love living in this area mm. it's just this recycling plant which has caused her problem after problem justin listen thank you for that go and get yourself a bacon butty we'll be back with you a little bit later on in the show if it's been affecting you across beds hearts and bucks this is ian lee on bbc three counties radio Coming up before seven o'clock, you're in the you're in the pictures, right? Lights go down. You get the adverts for for Frankies. You can it's time for a Frankies. Do they still advertise Frankies, the hot dogs? I don't know. It's been a while. Uh, then someone switches on their mobile phone, or there's there's a ring, or someone starts talking really loudly. Sound familiar? Well, a cinema etiquette guide has been published listing all the things you shouldn't do. I'm keen to get your calls on this. This is one of the things that annoys me. Going to the pictures is so expensive. That when people ruin the experience, I get furious. What naughty things have you experienced in the cinema? And mid-beds MP Nadine Doris. Heard of her? Yeah. Uh, she did her first Bush Tucker trial in the jungle last night. You can find out how she got on with BBC Three Counties political reporter Paul Scoynes. Now, we were talking earlier on to uh, our reporter Victoria Cook about this website where people film bad driving, crimes in general, but bad driving seems to be the focus of it, uh, and um, then upload it. And um, she, she mentioned that you can get little cameras to put in your car, just behind the, the, um, the rearview mirror, that film things. And I thought it sounded a bit odd, but we've had an email here. 
don't know who this is from, but my brother has one of those mini cameras fitted under his rear view mirror. Had an incident with the driver. There were hand gestures, mm, which upset my brother. The other driver got my brother to stop. They got out and were, was getting aggravated. My sister-in-law rang the police, which annoyed the other driver even more. My brother then happened to mention he had it all on camera. The guy then jumped on his car, jumped the curb, uh, and d- drove off. The police arrived, looked at the evidence, and logged it all. Two days later, they arrested the other guy. Well, maybe there's something in that. Craig is from Hatton Regis. Morning, Craig. Morning. What do you think about... Where are you? Under a waterfall? Uh, no, sorry, I'm on the M45. That's, the that's quite all right. In that case, we should let you continue. What do you think about these cameras on, on cars and bikes? Uh, well, initially, I, I, I thought perhaps a little bit over the top. Um, but I had an incident last year where I really wish I'd had one. So I think that's a good thing. I was um, riding along on my push bike um, along Tide Farm Road in Halton Regis. Yep. Residential road going uphill, so you can appreciate it wasn't going desperately fast. Um, van ahead pulls up to the junction coming onto my road. Um, I moved out slightly to try and improve their view of me. And just as I went in front of the van, the woman driving pulled out straight in me and knocked me off onto the floor. Oh, she did a Wiggins. You did a Bradley Wiggins. Yeah. So I broke my hand as a result of that and, uh, and my bike. I went over to her and she just aggressively said, where did you come from? <laughs> oh, dear. I said, the I nerve. Couldn't have to in front of you, did I? I've just ridden up the road. Yeah. Um, and I said, I need to get your details. And she said, oh, we'll do it at my house. It's number 37 and drove off. And number I, um, 37 what? That, that street? No, well, no, she didn't bother with that bit of the information, oh. I'm afraid. Craig, listen, we'll let you go because it's very, very noisy. But what, what a story. So maybe those... Are you a cyclist? Would you consider having a camera? And can I speak freely about cyclists? There's a certain... <clears throat> there's a certain arrogance about cyclists, isn't there? And, I, I, you know, sometimes I cycle. I, but those that regularly cycle, there is a slight arrogance. Because you're cycling, because you're saving the environment, because you're... you're, you're and let's be honest, we've all, seen, we've all seen bad driving. We've all seen bad cycling as well, though, haven't we? Is that arrogance... Uh, am I imagining it slightly? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I don't want to make this anti-cyclist because I, I cycle. My father-in-law cycles. He cycled sections of the Tour de France for goodness sakes. I have a lot of respect for cycling, but some of them just a little bit arrogant. You think kind of better than everyone else, really? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. And what, what bad things have you seen drivers do? I've seen cyclists on mobile phones. I've seen cyclists with headphones in listening to, to songs on their Walkman. Are you joking? Have your ears free so you can hear when I come up behind you and beep you for going to abreast. I'll calm down now and listen to Abba, shall I? Yes, I think that's probably a good idea. Right, so imagine the scene. You're in the pictures, right? The lights go down, the film starts, and you're having a good time, even if you're watching uh, a slightly ropey film. And some of them, let's be honest, are ropey. Looper, for example, was a massive disappointment. It didn't work on any level. But suddenly, the person two rows behind you starts chatting, and it's that, it's that loud whisper. You know, a whisper, you can't hear a whisper. But when they're doing that loud whisper... Or then there's, there's a fella in front of you and he's, he's getting texts on his phone and he's not turned the bleep off. Sounds familiar? Well, never fear, because an etiquette guide for cinema goers has been put together after a poll revealed that more than half of audience get annoyed by people talking during the film. Uh, just over half? Really? Our reporter, Nia Visser, asked Luton cinema goers what annoys them most when going to the flicks. People making a lot of noise, talking, walking in front of you. 
when you're sitting on the outside, ah, oh, they want to get to the closest seats. I know, they, I know they need seats, but it's a bit annoying. When they have the phone still on, it's really annoying because you can see the light in the corner of your eye, and it's really distracting. And if they don't turn it on silent, it's also really annoying for me. I think it's talking in the cinema and like giggling and throwing popcorn, and also when you're trying to like concentrate, it's, I just sometimes the cinema is just annoying. People throw popcorn a lot. Popcorn, M and M's, just throwing food. You know, you go to the cinema to just watch it in peace and quiet. Um, so people shouldn't be talking or mobile phones are fine as long as they're on silent. Somebody who's seen the movie before and like, oh, this bit's going to come up. Ah, oh, oh, it gives away like the storyline before it comes up beforehand. Well, then people start talking loudly. Sometimes you get some certain people who want to discuss a certain scene that happened in the film. Then they talk um, loudly and, that, and you're just thinking, just, that's it. <laughs> Would you ever talk in the cinema? <laughs> no. I wouldn't because I, cause I know how it feels yeah, when I'm trying to watch a film and people are talking. I think it depends how loud you're talking, to be honest. If you're whispering, that's okay, and you're asking a question, that's fine. It depends how loud you're talking. If you're asking a question, that's fine. No, it's not fine. Shut up. Shut up. As I've said before, I have no qualms about telling people to be quiet in the cinema at all. It's cost me a fortune to go there. You're going to be quiet. Well, Jason Valentine, uh, Valentine is the general manager from the Broadway Cinema in Letchworth Garden City. He joins us now. Morning, Jason. Morning, morning. T- talking is, is not fine on any level, is it, in the pictures? No, completely not. The full concentration when watching films is, uh, is where it needs to be, I think. What kind of naughty things have you seen uh, 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 other cinema goers doing? Um, re- uh, we haven't. I mean, here at the Broadway, we, we try we try and offer a, a customer service which is which is um, really second to none. And we don't tend to experience too many problems here after some of the things we're hearing on the radio there. Uh, Jason, is your is your mouth anywhere near the, the machine you're talking to? It's very yeah. quiet. Sorry, yeah. That's better, thank you very much. What, the, uh, the people... Why do cinemas sell such noisy snacks as well? Um, we, we tend to the Broadway, um, for example, like with crisps. We, we, don't, we don't send uh, crisps in, in, the, in the bags. We, we sell them in, in boxes. Um, but popcorn, it, it can be a problem, as you... As, just heard just recently. Uh, Jason, listen, we're going to have to let you go. For some reason, it sounds like you're calling from space. I don't know what's going on there, but thank you very much for your time. It's Jason Valentine there from the Broadway Cinema in Letchworth Garden City or from Alpha Centuri. We just don't know. What things annoy you in the cinema? They do sell... They don't there, obviously, but they do sell noisy snacks. You know when you eat crisps, that noise you can hear in your head? Well, guess what? It turns out other people can hear that as well. Nachos! I, I still call... Apparently it's pronounced nachos, but I'm, I'm calling them nachos. They're so noisy, aren't they? People talking. That young lady there saying, well, as long as you're talking quietly. Uh, uh, OK, we're, we're kind of running out of time, Jason, but I think you're, you're there with us now. Yeah, sorry about that. That's, Can that's, you hear me? Yeah, that's quite all right. What would your advice be to someone if they're sat in the cinema and they're not enjoying the experience because of noise? Well, the most important thing is whether you speak to the individual people making noise or you speak to a cinema operative who will come in and speak to the individual. Because we, we don't have ushers anymore. We need ushers in the cinema, it's, Jason. Exact, exactly. We- One thing we do at the Broadway Cinema is have, have a, a good balance of ushers who check the screens regularly while the film is started good and while you. the film is playing. OK, listen, Jason, thank you very much indeed. It's good for you. That's what we, we, want, we want someone who's a bit grumpy. We want a grumpy woman with a torch. That's what you want in the cinema, a grumpy woman with a torch. You get a torch shone in your face and a hefty shh, you'll shut up.
Unless you've got a knife, of course, and then it could uh, it could get nasty. Lots for you to talk about this morning. Naughty things you've seen drivers doing. Are cyclists a little bit arrogant? They're always constantly saying, well, but no, hang on, we want more rights. No, give us, no. We're not ruining the environment. What are you doing is riding a bike? Come on, I've been doing that since I was seven. Teen. Now, 08459 455 555. And what annoys you about the cinema? Coming up next, political reporter Paul Scoynes will be discussing the issues of the day. Nadine Doris being covered in bugs. Well, we, we should have been talking to our political reporter Paul Scoynes about Nadine Doris in the jungle. We can't get hold of him. Scoynes, if you're listening, you're fired. On the subject of cinema. This is a good one, Jules. Bad habits in cinemas. This is a good one. In the cinema, people sitting too close to me full stop. Oh, yeah, if there's loads of seats, and this has happened to me, if there are loads of seats, why why would you sit next to me? Sorry, go, go and sit over there. Well, don't sit right in front of me. The cinema's half empty. For goodness sakes. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, Midbeds MP Nadine Doris faced her first Bush Tucker trial in I'm a Celeb last night, but she was more than prepared. My concerns are claustrophobia. I just know that might be my problem. You know, I've got to try and think over it and deal with it. I'm absolutely determined to win this. I'm absolutely up for it. The challenge was bug burial. Ten minutes underground in a locked coffin, (laughs) with over 3,000 little bugs crawling in. She was up against Helen Flanagan, you know, the girl from Coronation Street, who lasted a minute. Nadine, on the other hand, lasted five. That's more crickets gone in there. What's what's wrong, Nadine? Feel free to brush it off. I'm Four minutes gone. Eggs! Eggs! Okay, I think I need to come out. Okay. If you want to come out, you've got to say the words. Oh, I'm supposed to get me out of here. All right, let's okay, get you out. Well, despite how hard she tried, it wasn't good enough for the public. The public have decided the person they want to see face Rotten Rhymes is. Nadine. Boom. <laughs> Nadine will see at the Bush Tucker trial area later on. Have a good day, everybody. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. She's gonna get yeah. them all, isn't she? Did you see it? What did you think of it? Good sport or silly old sausage? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, there's a new website that started where people are encouraged to upload video footage that they've taken of uh, drivers behaving badly. Mobile phones swerving all over the place, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, Barbara is from Hitchin. Morning, Barbara. Oh, yeah, good morning. Uh, well, How are you? I, I'm okay, thank you. I'm, I, I, you've asked me. I'm going to tell you. I've got a headache for the fifth day running. Oh, uh, well, yes. Well, you suffer with migraines. I've suffered with migraines oh. in the past, so you've got then, my... Sympathy, I'm going yeah. to the hospital next week and have some tests. And if, well? they, if they have to take my head off, Barbara, they can do. I don't care. <laughs> now, listen, what have you seen bad driving-wise? Oh, well, um, at a, a Pelican Crossing uh, here in Hitchin, um, I, which I use on a regular basis, yeah. um, start, the traffic will stop on my left-hand side coming towards me, yeah. and I wait, and I go to cross, I get into the middle, and the traffic coming from the right, it's as though you're not there. They don't see you. Now, hang on, you've got that the wrong way around, haven't you? It's the traffic on the right-hand side is stopping. Oh, sorry, yes, yeah, the so right-hand you, side. You were confusing yes, me. I thought you were crossing it's in America well, or something. Well, it's first thing in the morning, oh, t- t- isn't it? Tell me about it, my love, yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, I know that. Well, I, I've had that. So you, you get halfway across and the other side is still going. Yes, that's right. And it's not the first time. It's, it's about three times on the same crossing. 
have you got uh, a video camera that you can use? No, but oh. I'm very tempted. <laughs> film it. Go and film it. Upload it. Get, get them done. You know, this time, this time of the year, you wear your little beanie, you can have a little one on the top of your beanie, can't you? Your hat. You can, you can have a, I'm, I'm glad you explained what a beanie was. I was worried for a second. Yes, you can have a, a beanie cam. That's right. A beanie cam. A beanie cam. Sarah Beanie's got one she uses all the time. Barbara, thank you very much. Here's an interesting thing. I think it's Pelican Crossings. Have you ever noticed, right, underneath the... the, the, the you know where you press the button? And if you've got kids, the kids always have to press... I want to press it! Oh, I press the button. Underneath, there's like a little black cylinder. Have you spotted... Have you seen that? It's sort of... It's like a cone. A little black cone. Have you seen those? I think it's Pelican Crossings. I'm never quite sure which one's which. Right. Do you know what they're for? I'll tell you. Uh, do you know what they're for? They're good, right? They're the little black cone underneath. And when you when the, the light goes and you're allowed to cross, they start spinning. And they're for deaf and blind people. So the deaf or the blind, a deaf and blind person holds the little cone. When it starts spinning, they go, oh, OK, right, I can cross the road now. Now, how a deaf and blind person will be crossing a road on their own, I don't quite know. I don't know how that works. But that's what they're for. And since no, now you know that... You're going to see them everywhere. I constantly see them, and I'm constantly holding the little black cone underneath the, the, the thing where you press the button. 08459 455 555. What bad driving have you seen? We see it all the time. Oh, I saw one the other day. This fella cut me up terribly. Oh, he was, he was doing that thing where he was right up my backside because I wasn't going fast enough for him. I wasn't going fast enough for him. Right up my bottom. Then he overtook me. And then braked in front of me. Oh, I see. Right. Okay. So I wasn't going fast enough for you. So you're now going to drive really slowly. So I'm. I'm I slowed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get what you're doing. Thanks very much for that. Would love to have filmed that, but I was driving. I'm guessing you're not encouraged to to, to, to do the filming if you're driving. That would probably be slightly inappropriate. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. You can text as well, of course. Eight one three double three. Starting your text three CR. <laughs> So this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show that I know you'll want to give your opinion on. So I'll, I'll give out the contact details in a bit. Always good to get your voice on this. In the next hour, three counties drivers have been caught committing crimes by passers-by. What's the worst example of bad driving you've seen? I saw someone having a shave once. Yeah, I did. Not a wet shave. That would be ridiculous. But an electric razor while they're having a, a, a little drive. The fire in St Albans uh, leads to water shortage for residents in Leverstock Green. Our reporter Justin Dealey is at the scene of the fire. And those e-cigarettes, have you seen those? They're like the little kind of plastic cigarettes. Some of them give off a bit of smoke. Should your colleagues be able to smoke them at work? Legally they can, but do you mind if they do? You can get in touch lots of ways. You can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, a, uh, drivers in the three counties are receiving warning letters from the police after they've been caught on camera committing crimes filmed by members of the public. 
a new website has been set up called policewitness.com. People are encouraged to film others committing crimes. Then they're told to upload it and it can be shown on the website. So far, one motorist caught on the A508 between Milton Keynes and Northampton has appeared in court charged with dangerous driving. Four other people in the Thames Valley Police area have received warning letters from the police after they were caught on camera. Well, Alan Featherstone is uh, the former assistant chief constable of Northamptonshire Police and the founder of the website policewitness.com. He joins me now. Good morning, Alan. Morning, Ian. Why did you set up the site? Uh, a number of reasons, really. Not least because, like a lot of your listeners already, we came across incidences of horrible, horrendous, dangerous driving yeah. on an almost daily basis when both Matt and I, my business partner, were doing a lot of mileage. Um, Matt had recently sold his business and wanted to do something that was more altruistic, shall we say, mm. uh, and, and having retired from the police service, I wanted to do something that helped the community and moved the community forward in terms of its engagement with the police and helping itself. Give us some examples of, of some of the things that you've seen that kind of spurred you on to start this website up. The very day before our cameras were delivered, I was uh, Junction 19 of the M1, trying to get onto the M1 uh, uh, from the A14. Uh, and a lorry, uh, sorry, a van, I beg your pardon, just came down the outside of me, bollard straight in front of me uh, and cut me up. And yep. had I not braked fiercely, then he'd have just taken my front end off uh, and claimed that I'd driven into the side of him, I have no doubt, because he had two of the people in the cab with him. How successful has this website been? Very successful in terms of uh, people engaging, people understanding what the need of it is. Uh, we just need more awareness of it. The people who are engaged with it are phenomenally impressed with it and with the outcomes it can get. So how does it work? You upload a video to YouTube and then your site links to that? Is that, is that how it goes? Yeah, only if you tell us where it is. Right. So if somebody uploads a video to YouTube and doesn't share that location with Police Witness, then it remains entirely private. Well, I say entirely private to you, but I suppose if you scanned uh, YouTube, you might come across it. Yes. But unless somebody knows the URL, uh, the, the unique code yep. to identify it, then you could actually have your own private videos on there. Why aren't you encouraging people to send these videos into, straight into the police? Oh, we'd love them to. We have no problem with that at yep. all, except that some police forces simply won't do anything with them. They didn't have a process in place for them. We tried to get them to put one in place, and, and most of them wouldn't do at that time because they didn't want to open up uh, either a can of worms mm. or an unlimited workload. Uh, and I understood that, having done what I've done for 30 years, fully understand and appreciate that, but we actually went to great lengths to ensure that that wouldn't be the case and that it was a big positive for both the community and the police service. There are some people that might say, and we'll, we'll speak to someone in a second who might say this, that, that we're already filmed and monitored enough. Why, why, why are you encouraging more people to do more filming? The police service has never been in a great position in terms of being able to have police to deal with every incident that comes up. Indeed, there was evidence through the 90s and the early 2000s that the more police officers you engaged with, and uh, sorry, put on the streets and allowed people to engage with, the more response you put on the end of a telephone, the more the people called us and the more incidents we got. So this is about ha trying to help people to help themselves in a time of shrinking resources. The police service is never going to get more resources and people should be in a position to help themselves, not only on the roads, but in their communities with antisocial behaviour. Well, joining us on the line now is uh, Nick Pickle from uh, uh, Big Brother Watch. Morning, Nick. Good morning. This sounds like a pretty good idea, doesn't it? It's stopping bad and dangerous driving. Well, it's not stopping bad and dangerous driving. It's, it's filming people doing things and then sending it to police afterwards, which to me massively sounds like policing on the cheap. I mean, do we want to live in a country where rather than the police being responsible for catching criminals, we kind of delegate that to anybody who can afford to stick a CCTV camera in the front of their car? 
But Nick, is, this is kind of, you know, a, a sort of, I guess you could call it a low-level crime. And as Alan said, there are cuts being made everywhere. Doesn't it make sense that we kind of take on a bit more of a social responsibility? I think there's a difference between social responsibility and reporting a crime to the police and saying, I've got a CCTV car in the fr- uh, camera in the front of my car. I'm going to drive around and anybody who does anything I don't like, I'm going to shop them to the police. I mean, aside from the legal issues and... Personal CCTV is currently exempt from the Data Protection Act. But if that changes, then people are going to have to you know, display notices. And even now, if you collect personal information, if you film children, then there's already legal issues about the footage you're capturing. So it's not as straightforward as it sounds. And perhaps not surprisingly, we went through all those issues when we set the company up. And, and not least, you'll understand from my previous perspective, uh, so all those issues are covered and have been covered, uh, and we're very, very conscious of that. But realistically, you say, is that the society we want? And if the Data Protection Act is changed, the Data Protection Act isn't going to be changed, not for personal use issues, uh, and we cannot afford the police service that could do something like that. It will reduce dangerous driving. It will improve the standards of driving and it will improve the standards of behaviour on the streets where communities have poor behaviour and antisocial behaviour if enough people do it and people begin to realise that they're going to be captured. How many people... In a second, sorry. How many people have, have you got involved with the site so far? Oh, hundreds, right. hundreds of people, and, and we haven't got any budget for uh, publicising it, and, and what we want more than anything else is more and more people to come on board. We don't care whether they use our cameras, we want them to submit the evidence and change communities. So, Nick, it, it seems like people are interested. Well, I think the interesting point there is, you know, look how many cameras we already have monitoring the roads, and have they reduced dangerous driving? No. But they, they yeah. don't capture, I'm doing your pardon for it, but they don't capture film that the police can use. The cameras that monitor the roads in the main are to monitor traffic flow. Very, very few are capable of or designed to capture the film that would identify an incident, and they certainly don't record it. Well, and, but this is the point, is most motorists will not know the difference between what you've just outlined there, they see a camera, and most motorists will not see when they're driving past a little camera hanging off someone's rearview mirror pointing at them. So actually, the deterrent value, unless you're going to drive around with your car blazoned with posters saying, this car is a CCTV camera filming for dangerous driving, where is the deterrent factor that actually is going to create people? And one more point. Very quickly, Neil, will Alan come back? Very important to explain how it is you're paying for the website, because you're making it sound like a a social project here, and I understand it's a business, but I think you've got to be honest with people about that. Let's let's deal with those two points, first of all. The deterrent factor, first of all, Alan, where where is the deterrent? If people don't know they're being filmed, then they're they're not necessarily going to change their behaviour, are they? We do have people who choose to put police witness stickers or badges in their windows, and that's fine. But the deterrent factor comes in the fact that people know that they will be captured if enough people have cameras in their car. So particularly if it's in a local area, whether it's for antisocial behaviour or for driving, the more people are captured, the more they don't know where that camera has been and where they can be safe, in inverted commas, in committing their ill deeds, then the more the deterrent factor kicks in. The more of us act for our own communities, the more effective the deterrent is. Nick mentioned how is this being funded? We've funded it entirely ourselves at the moment, and, and I'm not naive, we, are, we can't carry on like that, but when we set the website up and, and paid for it ourselves, uh, we do sell cameras on the site. Mm. Um, we aren't selling massive amounts of cameras, again, because we haven't got the marketing budget to get the profile in order to get people there from that point of view. But the funding at the moment is all being reinvested, whatever we do make, in order to make it bigger and bigger and bigger to achieve the objectives of the company. Where so would we- you like the funding to come from? 
for for this for this website are you looking to government funding or to make it a, a, a business no on the contrary we are we've set up a business that will be self-funding uh, but all we've said is we'll replow the money back into the company for at least the first two years until such time as it's grown and if it takes three or four years for it to grow big enough for us to get that community engagement and that swell of opinion and support that people start to do it and create that deterrent effect that nick doesn't think will be there at the moment and i agree with small numbers mm then we'll keep on doing it. Nick, it's an independent business. We've got to applaud that, haven't we? Well, I think the important thing is, let's look at the deterrent effect. Britain already has more CCTV cameras than anywhere else in the world, just about. Is our crime rate massively lower? No. We don't see the crime reduction because CCTV largely stopped having a deterrent effect about ten years ago. Nick, Nick, can I ask, do you drive? Yes, I do. You must have seen some awful driving. I drive every day up and down the M1, and the number of people I see on their mobile phones cutting me up getting up my backside. There's got to be some form of justice, hasn't there? Well, and perhaps this is something that people should be asking. Why is it the police forces are far more interesting sitting and watching people doing 85 miles an hour in the outside lane rather than going after people who are dangerous drivers? There's a big question about police priorities here. But I think, you know, let's be honest, what this is, this is a situation where a very, very well-meaning business has been set up Mm. to sell CCTV cameras and is telling us we need more CCTV cameras. That's not really a surprise. (laughs) Alan, did you just agree with Nick there? Uh, I hear here about the police. Well, there you go, you see. Look, I'm I'm going to end it there on agreement with both of you on something. Is that okay, Nick? By all means. Thank you very much. Nick Pickle from the uh, organisation Big uh, Brother Watch, Alan Featherstar. I thought we'd we'd try and end it on a slightly lighter note if we can. Thank you very much. Policewitness.com is the website if people want to go and have a look at it. It is. uh, And see what's going on there. Yeah, okay. and, and please engage. Yeah, and if you, if you listen, we've all we've all seen terrible driving. We've all seen it. You, you, if you're in your car now, look to your left and your right. There'll be someone on a mobile phone. You know, it. it's one of the things that annoys me. It really does annoy me. Yeah. I just spoke to Alan Featherstone there from uh, policewitness.com, a, a site that encourages you to film crimes. It's not just car crimes. Although that's kind of what we're focusing on, because I think that's that's sort of the main focus at the moment. Um, to, to encourage them, uh, encourage you to film these crimes, upload them, um, and then they get the, the police are made aware of it. Now, part of me thinks it's a cracking idea because I do a lot of driving and I see some idiots, idiots driving. And then part of me thinks, well, actually, maybe it's not such a good idea. There are so many cameras. Is it bad that we're being filmed so much? I I genuinely don't know. Normally, with these kind of things, I have a a strong, definite opinion on what I think is right and wrong. And this one, I don't know. I'm open to your persuasion on this. 08459 455 555. Stephen Luton, good idea or bad idea? It's disgusting idea. Why? It's a joke. I mean, if I were to live in, Ru- live in Russia under dictatorship and communism, I'd go over it. But this is supposed to be England, freedoms, liberties. It's the way people are brought up. You don't cane the kids at school. You don't beat the criminals when you get old of them, like you used to do in the good old days. There's no discipline. The kids can do what they like, and then you want to whinge when they throw a brick at someone's window. Hang on a minute. What's this got to do with bad driving, Steve? Well, I'm talking about generally. Right, so, <laughs> do you, uh, yeah. so do you think it's a good or a bad idea that we're... No, it's, a, it's a bad idea. No, let me finish the sentence, and then you can answer the question with knowing what I'm talking about. Do you think it's a good or a bad idea that we are encouraged to film bad and dangerous driving? It's a bad idea. Even though it, could, it, it might save lives? 
no, at the end of the day, it's down to, at the end of the day, it's the system is obviously failing people because if they trained them properly and made people the test more rigorous, then people would obviously drive better. But at the end of the day, if you well, design mobile phones, people are going to do it. You can, you can sit there, I can sit there, we won't do this today. You're guaranteed that somewhere along the line today, we're going to speed. You're going to speed today. Everybody speeds. Everybody might jump the, jump the odd light here and there. I don't. Ju- I don't. Ju- I, I, listen, I, I might have sped. I might speed every now and then. I don't jump traffic lights. No, well, I'm just saying people are going to do things. It's not just the speeding, and it's not just the, the, the jumping the traffic lights. It's people. Dri- it's people swerving all over the place. It's people cutting people up. It's people driving right up your backside to try and make you go a bit faster. Steve, that's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. But we're just we're humans. We're not robots. We're not robots. We're people. We do things. We all do stupid things. Of course we do, but, but you say, people you, admit it, you say we should be we, You said, for some reason, I don't quite know why, that we should be caning kids, right? But then, well, you're, yeah. then you're saying we shouldn't be punishing adults when they, when they break rules well, that no, are potentially life-threatening. If, if you got it right in the first place with the training, then it wouldn't, you wouldn't have the problem, would you? I mean, people can go... I mean, drivers today, some of them are useless. I mean, they'll go at 30 miles per hour, ridiculously slow... And we're used to driving at 35, 40. Hang on, if it's 30 miles per hour and a 30 mile per hour speed limit, then that's fine, that's right. Yeah, but what's, what's, what's wrong with doing 35 and 40? If you're driving down the road, there's nobody yeah. about. But if the it's limit's... It's harmless. No, it's not it's harmless. harmless. Steve, it's not harmless, though, because people get killed. If you, Sticking to the speed limit is a well, good I'll thing, isn't what, it? If I'll tell you what, if that's the case, if you want to do all this filming of people, right, yeah. wouldn't just ban everybody driving the car and let's just walk to work, It's we? not a bad idea, actually, Steve. He's, he's, he's ended... I thought he was talking nonsense up until then, and he ended on a good point. Let's just ban everyone driving. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. Thank you, Steve. Always good to talk. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now, if you live near the scene of a huge fire at the Wood Recycling Company in St Albans, you may be without water. And if you're wondering, oh, am I living near that place? If you have to question it, then you're not living near it. You'll know you're living near it, trust me. Being without water is likely to be the case for as long as the 20-foot-high pile of wood continues to burn. If you are without water, could you give us a call? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The recycling plant went up in flames at midnight on Saturday, and residents are outraged that neither the county council nor the environment agency listened to their concerns about the height of the wood and rubbish kept on the site. Well, uh, our fire correspondent Justin Dealey is at the site now. Good morning, Justin. Oh, no, hang on, sorry, Jess, I've got the wrong fader. You're there. Morning, Justin. Yes, hello, Ian. Pretty much exactly the same story as, as yesterday morning. I've um, just been onto the site a few moments ago. The flames are still, what, a good 20 to 30 foot high. Still extremely hot. Uh, before 8 o'clock this morning, we are going to be talking to Dean Risley, who's from Hearts Fire and Rescue. But, but here's a local, first of all, Marlene Pincott, who lives just a matter of a, a couple of hundred yards away from this site. Marlene, welcome to the programme. Be brutally honest here. Uh, what's your experience of this recycling plant? I've had constant problems with this site for the last 8 to 12 years. Varying, varying things because they've actually changed from a composting recycling site now to the wood site. So even though the problems have changed in nature, we're still getting major problems with the site. And forget about fires, what about the smells as well? Uh, we, get lo- we used to get lots and lots of bad smells with the composting site, so bad that I used to have to cancel family occasions and barbecues, etc. Um, and now with the wood recycling, the most... Uh, um, 
annoying thing is all the sawdust and fine sawdust in the air. Uh, you can't actually wash your car because ten minutes later it's covered in sawdust. Um, and also the noise from the diggers working right on the top of these 20, 30 foot mounds, which obviously I don't think for health and safety is very safe. I spoke to Catherine earlier on this morning. She hasn't got any water. What's the situation with you? I've got a very, very limited water supply. Um, if you wait long enough, you can actually fill a kettle. Um, but you certainly obviously can't have baths or showers or anything like that. And what about power as well? Uh, I've got no mains power. The um, electricity board or whoever it is have actually supplied me with a generator. So at least now I've actually got some uh, power. You're getting by, but you're absolutely furious about this, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Um, I mean, in this day and age, I mean, it shouldn't affect me like this. It's more like wartime situation. Um, you know, and it, I, I'm so livid with this place and the fact that they've been complained about local residents and that even though there's not many of us have complained about this site year on year on year and nothing is ever done. Okay, I've got, I've got to hand back to the studio in just a second, but I just spoke to a man a moment ago who's a volunteer. He's with the firefighters, he's helping them, he's serving tea and food. We'll talk to him in detail a bit later on, but he was saying, do you know what, I'm so, so angry, I'm a local, and I wish that I'd phoned up the Environment Agency because we all knew this was going to happen. He was really, really angry with himself. Well, you've done that time and time again, but you've got nowhere. Oh, yeah, we've um, warned the Environment Agency um, that they're flouting, I think, every single regulation that they've been given on the site as regards to what they're allowed to do and well they're not allowed to do um, and even though you do complain nothing's ever done Thank you very much indeed for your time. That's uh, Marlene Pincott, who lives uh, a matter of a couple of hundred yards away. You've heard the passion there, Ian. Yeah. Uh, these people clearly not happy about They're this furious. situation. And it could be burning, of course, for days, if not weeks. Oh, it's going to be weeks. They've not even touched it, have they? You, you, you saw it yesterday. They've not even touched it. Well, the, the fire officer said to me earlier on this morning, and again, we'll hear from him before 8 o'clock this morning, they are containing it. Yeah. The, the, the key for them, and there's mounds of wood around this site, the key to them is that this fire does not spread. At this moment in time, they are simply containing the fire. And well done you, Justin, as well, can I just say, uh, for um, finding the man who's d- dishing out the food and the drink <laughs> and going to interview him later on in the show. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. He's not silly, is he, Justin Dealey? Thank you, Justin. Uh, if you are without water, or if it's affecting you in any other way, do give us a call, 08459 555. Well, Tony Swendle is the independent councillor on St Albans District Council, who represents the Potter's Crouch area where the fire is burning. He joins us now. Morning, Tony. Good morning, Ian. You've been calling uh, as well, haven't you, for the centre to be shut down. Why? Because its position is too small. The, the, the waste that it burns, the last fire, uh, was allowed to burn for in excess of three months. And that was manure and stuff from Whipsnade Zoo. And the air, the air was foul, the air quality was foul. This is just, this is just an, an, another punctuation mark in, in a lo- long line of incidents at that site. Tony, am I right in saying there was a fire there about six months ago and one about six years ago? I, I don't know much about the six months ago, right. uh, but six years ago, definitely. It does seem odd, doesn't it, that, that this this company, with a history of, of at least one other fire, has been allowed to carry on, and this incident has been allowed to happen. In, in, indeed, and, and there's no guarantee that it, that it won't happen again. The, the pile of that wood chip was so high... It mm. Look like look like a ski ramp. They've been there have been prosecutions, haven't there, in the past yeah. for the breach of the licensing conditions. I, I, I'm just confused as to why they were allowed to continue to operate if they were breaching well, licensing conditions. The site was opened in 1999 as a composting operation for waste disposal and processing, and the planning permission was granted by the Harts County Council in accordance with it, with their uh, statutory waste management function. 
But the conditions of the waste management uh, licence are monitored by the Environmental Agency under their statutory functions, and I don't know how many times they've been on that site. Mm. Uh, well, there was a prosecution uh, in, in 2000, uh, and there was, was heavy fines lobbed out. But basically, you're agreeing with those residents we heard there, you want it closed? Want it closed. Look at this position. It's, it's right by the M1, and anybody that uh, remembers what happened down in Taunton with mist and smoke realises that motorways have to be closed if smoke drifts across the motorway. Uh, because that that caused a huge uh, accident where where there was deaths and serious injuries, mm. and I, I believe a man's been prosecuted yeah. there for running the fire. We have we 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 have been lucky with the wind so far, haven't we? And that it's it's not particularly affected that smoke uh, so far, but yeah. it blows in all directions at different times, and everybody cops it, don't they? Tony, listen, thank you very much, Tony Swindle, Independent Councillor on St Albans District Council. Well, BBC Three Counties have asked both the council and the company involved to come on the programme this morning, but guess what? No luck. Uh, when asked if wood recycling services were in breach of regulations and who would investigate this breach, Hertfordshire County Council gave us this statement. Richard Thake, the Cabinet Member for Environment, said, Earlier this year, the owners... It's quite a long one. Sit down, have a cup of tea. Earlier this year, the owners of the recycling centre uh, were issued with notices by Harts County Council and the Environment Agency to reduce the quantity of wood on the site. The owners had until the end of August to comply with the County Council's notice. The recycling centre failed to meet the deadlines, so the Environment Agency, as the regulator authority for the site suspended the company's environmental permits in September which prevented the centre bringing more wood onto the site. We are exploring what legal action to take next to get the owners to comply with their permits. Uh, Meanwhile the company at the site, Wood Recycling Service, are not answering their calls. The line seems unavailable. Well there you go. We will keep trying to get them on the the show. Um, Let's see what happens. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good work, Catherine. Excellent. Excellent bulletin. Coming up in the next half hour, should your colleagues be able to smoke e cigarettes at work? Have you seen them? They're like those plastic things that have a bit of smoke, steam coming out of the end. Legally, they can. But do you mind if they do? And mid-beds MP Nadine Doris did her first Bush Tucker trial on I'm a Celebrity. We'll be finding out what happened, if we can locate our political correspondent, Paul Scoynes. If you, if you see him, he's a tall man with broad shoulders. He looks a little bit like a sad bear. If you see him wandering around, could you point him in our... He does, doesn't he? <laughs> could you point him in our direction and tell, and tell him we want him? Please, 08459. Four double five five double five. We've been talking about dangerous driving. Uh, there's a new website, policewitness.com, where people are encouraged to uh, film not just bad driving, but antisocial behaviour. Upload it, and then it's sent on to the police, and action is is possibly taken. And, and some people have been prosecuted. Some people have been sent uh, warning notices. Uh, we're asking for your your experiences with bad driving. We've all seen it. We've all seen people on their mobile phones. We've all seen. I've seen people reading newspapers while they're driving. The terror, honestly. Oh eight four five nine, four double five five double five. Pat's from Houghton Regis. Morning, Pat. Good morning, Ian. What, what have you seen? I've seen um, a woman with a McDonald's in her hand, one hand, and the phone in the other. Two little children in the back. Hang on a second. And she had she had a burger in one hand and a phone in the other. That's right. And she was. It was a quiet Saturday morning, but she had two children in the back, and she was driving like that. And, and the second one that stands out is a, a young lady with a, a little baby in the front, in a, one of those baby chairs. Yeah. 
and she was on the phone and every time she had to stop up the road the baby's head was flipping forward and backwards and I was trying to sort of alert her to the fact and she was oblivious and she just drove off again so you know that's a kind of abuse of a baby the way they're doing this when on the phone uh, it, yes it does annoy me when you see uh, people driving badly anyway but but people when they've got yeah. kiddies in the back of the car or the front of the car you, you kind of just think you know be a little bit more responsible what do you that's think of right. this website Pat encouraging people to film these kind of things good idea what or a, a bad idea what a great idea I mean that's Steve you had on earlier what sort of person is he to think that you know you should leave people alone that are dangerously driving it could be one of these relatives that die at the hands of someone with a mobile phone and it's absolutely ridiculous but the idea of the website is good but Chief Constable Health Hitchcock's got a lot to play in all of this because on one of your shows he said he only warns uh, he gets his police force to only warn people on mobile phones in Bedfordshire what message has that sent out to everyone? Pat thank you very much indeed Pat from Houghton Regis strong feelings there um, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Um, I, it, the thing is, isn't it, if the police were to stop everybody who was driving along with a mobile phone, they wouldn't have time to do anything else because, you know, every if you're in your car now, have a look left, right and behind. If you can, if it's safe to do, obviously, it's not being crazy. There's someone on a mobile phone, isn't there? Isn't there? If not, then you've definitely seen at least three this morning since you've been in your car. You could be on a mobile phone right now, are you? Naughty. Naughty. Now, some workplaces are banning e-cigarettes, as there's no evidence how safe they are. For smokers, they seem an ideal way around the smoking ban. But for those trying to quit, uh, and for those trying to quit, they're more comforting than gum. Have you seen them? They look a little bit like a real cigarette. But users are inhaling water vapour, containing nicotine instead of smoke and tar. Dr Vivian Nathanson is from the uh, British Medical Association. Good morning, Doctor. Good morning. I'm always surprised at these um, uh, things that are supposed to help you quit smoking that still contain nicotine. Mm. Because the, 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 the nicotine is the thing that you, you, you want to stop, isn't it? Well, nicotine is the thing that makes you addicted, but nicotine is not the main cause of the cancers right. and heart disease. So that's, that's the balance that we have to strike. And in fact, it's probably reasonably safe if you were taking pure nicotine in the right sort of doses to carry on with it for a long time. Although really, we, we prefer people to try to give up their addiction. What are the issues with e-cigarettes? Surely they're fine, aren't they? Well, firstly, the Food and Drug Administration in America did some tests on two brands and they found that many of them contained cancer-causing agents that they weren't, in fact, pure nicotine. Secondly, they look like a cigarette and they reinforce the, the way in which you handle a cigarette and uh, put it in your mouth and so on. Uh, they produce a vapour, they light up, so other people looking at them think that you're smoking and in some circumstances people light up real cigarettes because they think it's allowed in that place uh, and they reinforce to the person using them the normalcy of that pattern of use of using your mouth and inhaling and, and getting a nicotine kick so they don't necessarily psychologically even help people mm. who are trying to quit so there's there's a number of concerns there so they could enforce, because of the nicotine and because of the, the habit you've got of, of holding something mm. in your fingers and putting it in and out of your mouth, that's, that's going to be an addiction itself, isn't it? Indeed, indeed, absolutely. And that, that can reinforce, as I said, the sort of smoking addiction. So the move between using the e-cigarette and using real cigarettes 
maybe um, maybe reinforcing one another rather than helping people to quit. Unlike, say, the gum and the, the patches and all the other forms of nicotine delivery, which may reinforce the abnormalcy, as it were, of smoking these days. I'm assuming these things have been tested scientifically. Is that right? There's been some testing. Uh, there hasn't been enough. And certainly no long-term tests right. to look at the long-term harms and indeed to look at whether all of those that are currently on the market are in fact pure and delivering what they say they do. As I said, the US tests uh, three years ago actually showed that they weren't. This vapour that, that, that comes mm. out, is there, a, is there a problem, we all know about passive smoking, although some people would deny that exists. Uh, is it the problem with the passive inhalation of the vapour? Well, that's always certainly a possibility. There's likely to be nicotine in it. Um, it's not. It may not be in large doses, but it may reinforce the addiction in people who are trying to quit. We just don't know. And again, that's another reason for saying why should uh, non-smokers and non-nicotine addicts be um, be exposed to something which may cause them some harm, but we don't yet know. The thing that annoys me, Vivian, and, and maybe you, you can or can't comment on this, is the smugness of these people. <laughs> Have you, do you know what I mean? I was, at a, I was at a Beach Boys concert and there was a fella in the row, two rows in front of me puffing away on one of these e-cigarettes and he looked all cocky and I thought, if you were doing that next to me, mate, I'd have a go. I was doing a stand-up comedy gig last year in a tiny mm. little club and one of the Rolling Stones, no less, came and sat in the front row. He was quite rude, actually, and was talking to his mates and, and had one of these e-cigarettes and he looked all cocky and arrogant. I just thought, come on now. That's a, it, it, there is a smugness, isn't there, Vivian? Well, I don't know, because I've not seen yes, enough people Yes, you do. Use you them. know there is. But I think that the problem is that, that as I said, it's reinforcing the smoking habits. Mm. People who are addicted to their cigarettes are using them currently in the belief that they're, because they're not regulated and it's only small, some workplaces that are banning them, that they can get away with doing that. And that's the problem for the rest of us, because we see this as renormalizing. And those of us who don't like cigarette smoking, mainly because of the effects on our health mm. and those of other people, um, you know, get rightly concerned. Dr Vivian Nathanson from the BMA, thank you very much. Well, are you a fan of these things? What, what do you think? Do you agree with me? These people that use them, they do have a certain smugness. I was, I was doing a stand-up comedy gig. I'm not really a stand-up comedian, but I was doing it as a, a favour to a mate. And it was a weird gig, and I was dying on my backside. It was terrible. And then Ronnie Wood wanders in late with a big bling cane, sits down, not, yeah, sits down in the front... Rose starts talking to all his mates really loudly, and part of me's thinking, oh my god, it's one of the Rolling Stones, and part of me's thinking, shut up, old man. And then he gets out an e-cigarette, and he's puffing away, and there's just, just this, this, this cockiness about it. Do you know what I mean? A real smugness. I'm, I'm sort of smoking, but I'm not smoking, but I can do this indoors, you can't stop me. Legally, you can't stop me doing this, because there's no law against it. That kind of arrogance. Maybe I'm being too sensitive. 08459 455. 555 is the phone number. Filming cars and, and uh, uh, traffic incidents. Good idea or bad idea? There's a new website set up that encourages you to do that. Ian's from Luton. Morning, Ian. Good morning, Ian. Uh, it, always, it always excites me when, when I meet another Ian. Can I ask you, sir, do you spell it properly? I-A-I-N. Yes, my brother! Come on! I hate these people that spell Ian I-A-N. What do you, what do you like? That's not how you spell it. Thank you, brother. Now, no problem. Uh, c- cameras in cars and things like that, are you, are you a fan of it? Uh, not particularly, no. Go on, why? Um, like the gentleman from the Civil Liberties people said, uh, I do believe it is an infringement of Civil Liberties. 
it, it, it's not going to stop bad driving. The only way to stop bad driving is to educate people properly and to have um, enough police officers on the road uh, as the deterrent. But Ian, we know there aren't enough police officers. They're facing millions of pounds in cuts. So I- I- isn't it right that maybe we as a society should be kind of looking out for these sort of things and protecting ourselves? Yes, uh, everybody is responsible for their own actions on the road, and uh, I, I see numbers of people putting themselves at risk uh, through stupid uh, manoeuvres on the road because they're five minutes late for work or mm. taking the, the kids to school. You know, you, 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 the reason an accident happens is is because somebody's doing something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, you, you'll never stop this, even with these these cameras. Ian, what what, what are you driving these days? Um, I'm one of these nasty people that drive HGV for a living. Oh, ha- hang on a second. Now I see why you're so keen for... You don't want people to have cameras in there. Tri- I'm not saying you personally, but a lot of these big lorries, Ian, they drive terribly, don't they? Yeah, I, w- I would agree. Um, but then the thing that annoys me is, 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 is anything in life. It's, it's the bad people... Um, that make the good people bad, if you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I don't, but I like it. Listen, I remember, I remember something that happened the other day on the M1, OK? I pulled in front of a lorry. It wasn't an HGV, but it was a big lorry. I didn't cut him up or anything like that. I pulled because I wanted to go to the turning. I indicated for a long time, and I thought he let me in. He hadn't let me in, and he's flashing me, right? He's flashing me. Yeah. And then he pulls out. He pulls up beside me, and he tries to knock me off the road, Ian. He tried to what? knock me off the road. He's a, he's a bad driver, and that's the place. He, he, he needs his uh, knuckles wrapped. He, but, need, he um, needs something wrapped. Uh, yeah. Ian, listen, thank you very much. Always nice to meet an Ian who spells it correctly. These Ian, the I-A-N. Come on, guys. Put the second I in there. Live a little. Huh? Uh, 81333. Start the text 3C. I've got some texts here. Louise. I saw a good example of bad driving. Hmm? Only yesterday on the A5 near the Traveller's Rest Pub, the driver took the roundabout at such speed it spun... Then it came to a standstill, and the driver and his mate sat laughing. Wow. Rian Flittick. Me and my boyfriend saw a woman jump red lights uh, on a zebra crossing. She was so busy on her mobile, she didn't even know the lights had turned red. I started shouting at her about being on her phone. She looked at me as if she'd done nothing wrong. It wasn't... Oh, God. Re. It wasn't until I started swearing at her loudly, she actually put the phone down. The woman was a moron. Well... A woman who isn't a moron. Good link. Huh? You see? Yes. Sophie Tyler. London bound on the M1. Still slow. Delays of around 30 minutes between 11 at Dunstable and 7 as well. And anti-clockwise on the M25. Sophie Tyler, BBC Three Counties Radio. Sophie, go and have a cup of tea. I think I need I, one. I think you need one now. Go on. Well, Midbeds MP Nadine Doris faced her... F- I've got to be so careful how I say this. Faced her first Bush Tucker trial in I'm a Celeb last night. But she was more than prepared. My concerns are claustrophobia. I just know that might be my problem. You know, I've got to try and think over it and deal with it. I'm absolutely determined to win this. I'm absolutely up for it. Well, the challenge was bug burial. Ten minutes underground in a locked coffin with over over 3,000 critters. She was up against Helen Flanagan, you know, the lesbian from Coronation Street, who lasted a minute. Nadine, on the other hand, lasted five. Cricket's gone in there. What's what's wrong, Nadine? It's really biting into my knee. Oh, it's really hurting. Feel free to brush it off. Four minutes gone. Okay, I think I need to come out. Oh. You want to come out? You've got to say the words. Oh, I'm supposed to get me out of here. All right, let's okay, get you out. 
Well, despite how hard she tried, it wasn't good enough for the public. The public have decided the person they want to see face Rotten Rhymes is... Nadine. <laughs> Nadine will see at the Bush Tucker trial area later on. Have a good day, everybody. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, yeah. now, uh, an hour late, we can go to our political reporter, Paul <laughs> Scoynes, who was watching the show, joins you. Slept in, did you, Paul? Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, oh, okay. Ian. That's, that's quite well, My well, alarm did go off at ten to, ten to six, but okay. I, 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 yeah, I want no an, excuse. I want an apology on paper, please, and written in blood. Now, talk us through <laughs> what she had to do, Paul. Oh, it was absolutely horrible. I've written down here excruciating to watch, because it absolutely was. I mean, yes, she was, was kind of clamped into a cage and suspended underneath the, the ground for, uh, well, supposedly ten minutes, and then they were supposed to get out and raise a flag, which sort of seemed to be the most minor thing to do at the end of a, a task like that. Uh, and there were, I mean, thousands. I think they mentioned 100,000 in there, but I think that might have been an exaggeration uh, of the number of uh, small insects We've got maggots, cockroaches, uh, mealworms, and crickets, and so on. Well, Although don't, Nadine, don't sorry, you make yeah, me shiver. No. <laughs> it's horrible. Uh, um, Nadine sorry. didn't. Sorry, well, that was me shivering with you. Um, Nadine didn't ask uh, or didn't want to know what was in there, which was interesting because it, it, I think she probably would have been a bit more relaxed than she actually was. How did she come across, Paul? Well, I, it's interesting. Eric Bristow, who's sort of becoming some sort of cockney sage uh, throughout the, 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 the proceedings, said that she spends her life trying to get votes, uh, and now she's got a load of votes she doesn't want. And I think it was sort of telling at the end that, you know, even though she tried to sort of G up uh, Helen, who uh, sort of missed out on the previous task as well... Um, saying, you know, don't go home, you'll be fine. Uh, she seems to be taking on a sort of motherly role, which she she talked about in the first episode, about how it was sort of almost her job to kind of get people together and work together, and she's sort of putting this very diplomatic view across. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I mean, a, a lot of a lot of it perhaps she expected. She said that MPs are a conduit for public anger, so she kind of uh, expected to be in there. Although it, it was unfortunate for her in a way, because they played a, a clip of her from the previous episode saying... How hard can it be? And it, I think after a lot, you can't say stuff like that. That's going to come back and haunt you very quickly. It, it, it's looking likely she's going to get even more and more tasks, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the the kind of pictures of her at the end when she found out she was going to face tonight's uh, trial were were sort of telling. She broke down a little bit, and her sort of fellow campers came and consoled her. It was quite interesting from the other camp, though. David Hay asked who was up against their member and he said, oh, was it the politician bird? And I, I, I sort of kind of contrasted that with, uh, with Bristow kind of putting her arm around her saying, well, you know, lots of your colleagues want to see you fall here, so I'm sure they're voting for you. So you, you kind of do wonder if half of the cabinet have got that number on speed dial one now. Paul, thank you very much. You've got to have a lie down. Paul Scoyne's our political correspondent there, who's now also I'm, uh, I'm a celebrity. And I, I think he looks like a sad bear. Well, she's not the only one from the three counties to brave the jungle. Colin Baker is a local resident, having lived in High Wycombe and other parts of Bucks for over 30 years. Anthony Lane is a huge fan of Colin Baker and joins me now. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Ian. Anthony, I'm going to say something controversial. Do it. Why are you a fan of the second worst Doctor Who of all time? You see, I can't talk to you if you're going to badmouth Colin. I just can't do it. Come on. Is he your favourite Doctor? More than that, he's a childhood hero. Really? A lot of people. Mm. Those those that grew up in the 80s, I think, um, well, I I think, to be honest, I'm I'm in the minority. I I, I very rarely come across fellow uh, Colin Baker Doctor Who fans. It it, it was kind of the beginning of the end for me. Sylvester McCoy was obviously the worst. No! Oh, oh no, 
How old are you, Ian? I'm 39. You see, you're, you're the wrong era. You're, you're, <laughs> what are you, the, are you the Peter Tom, Davidson, the Tom, Tom Baker? Tom Baker, of course. Tom Baker oh, was the greatest. Peter Davidson was pretty darn good, though. He gets a bad rap. He was pretty good. He was. He was all right. He had some good stories. Listen, let's 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 not fall out, brother. No. Okay, because we are both Doctor Who fans. Although I stopped <laughs> watching it once Doctor Who became younger than me. Yeah. Uh, you, you set up a Facebook page, Colin to win. Why? Um, but I just I wanted to give something back. I mean, he's 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 kind of been there in my my pretty much my whole life. Yeah. Um, and I just I, there wasn't a lot of support on Facebook. There was one other guy doing a, a Facebook page, and it had one like. It was his own like. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I saw that, I was like, well, I've, I've got I've to okay. well, get out there. So you, you've set up Colin to win on Facebook page. How, how many and likes have you got? Uh, t- uh, it, it, it's been a bit slow to begin with, um, but we're up to 289 at the Oh, moment. that's not bad. I, that's not bad. 289 is very respectable. Uh, we, was, we was at seven for a while, and one of those was, was mine, <laughs> but we beat that guy. That was, the me- that was my yeah, plan. In your face, other Colin Baker fan. <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't you, was it? No, it wasn't me. Very quickly, uh, uh, Anthony, and I, uh, how do you think he's going to do? Is he going to do well, seriously? I, I, I think he's going to do good because he's, he's a great guy. He's, okay. he's, he's the granddad of the group. I think he's going to do great. And on, on a final note, yeah. Ace was one of the worst assistants of all time, wasn't she? Uh, not to be. Anthony. Because I grew up with her. Anthony. You know, it's, it's um... It's who know. you grew up with, I you're can right. Watch yeah. yeah, it's a pleasure to talk to you, Anthony. Keep fighting the fight. There Thank we go. You. Anthony Thank Lake, you set up a, a, a Facebook page for Colin Baker. Across beds, hearts, and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. I do like it when I'm allowed to have slightly geeky chats. It was only short, I kept it short, but I do like a good Doctor Who argument. Oh, I do. Now, uh, people living near a fire at a recycling centre near St Albans have been left without water. 20-foot stack of wooden pallets been burning beside the M1 uh, since Saturday, and it's going to take weeks to put this out. Well, Justin Dealey is there. Justin, whereabouts are you and who have you got? Well, I'm on Atspon Lane in St Albans, where this fire has been raging since the weekend. Of course, the early hours of Sunday morning. Lots of people without water. One of those is Catherine Riordan. She lives just a few hundred yards away from the fire. Um, at the moment, I'm um, begging and borrowing and stealing from friends, so this afternoon we all went round to a friend's house and um, prevailed of their hospitality but um, yeah, not sure really it depends how long it goes on for And of course Catherine has a two year old child as well Joining me live in our radio car here is Dean Risley, Group Commander from Hearts Fire and Rescue. Dean, welcome to the programme, you heard there from Catherine when are these people likely to get their water back because you're using that water of course to fight this fire aren't you? Yes indeed we are Um, as we speak we're currently investigating um, alternative possibilities um, for an alternative water supply um, approximately a mile away from the affected properties um, as, as we speak we're, we have got um, two crews down there trying to establish an alternative water supply um, at this moment in time I, I can't really say how long this is going to take um, but it, it is currently ongoing work in progress and uh, when we spoke yesterday to Paul Hardy he was saying to us it could take days it could take weeks to put this fire out again this morning it looks like a giant bonfire is it the same situation this morning absolutely it's a very deep-seated fire um, and it is going to take some considerable time to extinguish it fully what's the situation with the roads because the A414 still closed this morning Uh, as far as you're concerned have you done enough to reopen that that particular stretch of road from a fire and rescue service perspective um, we have our hose laid out in the drains to the side of the a414 
Um, there is no reason now from a fire and rescue perspective why that road can't reopen. However, um, there may be other factors regarding overhead power cables that may stop this from happening at present. Okay, so again, that, that could be close. And just lastly, quite briefly on this question, what about your resources? As we look what to our left-hand side, uh, lots of fire engines, lots of people working on this fire, uh, the flame's still 30 foot in the air. How is that affecting your resources across Hertfordshire? Can you reassure the people this morning, if they were to phone you, you would have enough staff? Absolutely. Um, we've brought extra resources and additional resources in from other areas to cover areas that have been uncovered by resources that are attending this fire and will continue to do so. Please don't take me back on that site. I went on there yesterday, it was a thousand degrees. I sounded like a big girl's blouse, but of course you do this for a living, don't you? Yeah, it's quite warm on there. Um, The conditions that we're working in are quite trying, um, but the crews are doing an excellent job um, keeping the flames down, trying to extinguish it. And we're working really hard to try and get things back to normal as soon as possible. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you go. Joining us live on Three Counties Radio, Dean Risley from Hearts Fire and Rescue. So they are working with the water companies. Hopefully that situation is going to get cleared up soon. Uh, hopefully the roads as well. Some of those may reopen again. It's all a case of everybody agreeing together. But that, as you've heard there again, Ian, it could take days. Mm. It could take weeks. We just don't know at this moment in time. Justin? Yes. Be careful out there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ian. There we go. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. He's playing a blinder this week, isn't he? Excellent stuff. Do let us know if it's affecting you. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, and I've decided 30 minutes early, yes, I am going to go and have a fried egg roll after the show. Yeah, I've made that decision. I'm making that call at 8 o'clock in the morning. Fried egg roll. <laughs> after the show. That's uh, certainly something to look forward to. In the last hour of the show, before Jonathan comes in and does his thing, drivers in the Three Counties caught committing crimes on camera by members of the public. What naughty things have you spotted motorists doing on our roads? We've all seen drivers using mobile phones. What other things have you seen? Radical Muslim cleric Abu Qatada will be freed from prison today. We'll find out why in the next half an hour. And there's a new etiquette guide for cinema goers. What annoys you most about other people when they're watching films? Noisy food? Although I do, do like a good pick and mix. Oh, chocolate raisins and, and uh, um, what, what do you call those? Chocolate buttons? Yes, please, I'll have some of that. What annoys you in this cinema? Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. 81333, starting your text, 3CR, if you want to text. Or, and this is the best way, you know it's the best way, you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. People in the three counties have begun receiving warning letters from the police after they've been caught on camera committing crimes filmed, not by the police, but by you, members of the public. A new website has been set up called policewitness.com and people are encouraged to film others committing crimes. Then they're told to upload it to the website. So far, one motorist caught on the A508 between Milton Keynes and Northampton has appeared in court charged with dangerous driving. Four other people in the Thames Valley Police area have received warning letters from police after they were caught on camera. So how easy is it to catch people breaking the law? Our reporter, Victoria Cook, has been finding out. It's just gone four o'clock, it's rush hour in Luton and I'm standing on the side of Stewart Street. I'm going to stand here for about half an hour and see how many people I can spot breaking the law. 
There's my first texture. Approaching a speed camera with a silver mobile phone in one hand, one hand on the wheel, and absolutely no attention being paid to the road whatsoever. It's wet conditions, people are braking to approach a speed camera, and that guy just didn't have a clue. Well, this guy's just gone around the corner with one hand on the wheel, and the other hand is using a mobile phone, a bit like a dictaphone. There goes the ninth driver on their mobile phone. That's the 12th person on their mobile phone. That guy was driving along with his head, I can see him going off into the distance. His head is completely to one side as it pins his mobile phone against his shoulder. Unbelievable. Well, I've been standing beside Stewart Street in Luton for half an hour during rush hour. And I've seen 14 people on their mobile phones and four people texting whilst driving. One eye on the road and one eye on their phone. Well, there you go. It's our reporter, Victoria Cook, out and about. Uh, Mike Brewer is a motoring journalist and broadcaster. Joins me now. Morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Are you surprised by that? 30 minutes, 14 people on their mobiles, four of them texting. No, not at all. I'm not, not surprised one bit. I spend um, a lot of time on the UK roads. I'm doing thousands of miles every week at the moment making my programmes. And I've seen some horrendous things on the road. But the majority of them are mobile phone usage. You know, people uh, either texting, uh, reaching for their phone as soon as the traffic builds up at the motorway to make a call. Um, and I don't, I, I sort of understand why people do that. Sometimes you need to let your, your colleagues or your, your friends know that you're going to be late, especially if there's traffic ahead. Uh, but most phones these days, or most cars, have uh, Bluetooth connectivity, and they should be relying on that rather than reaching for the phone and, and just putting it to their ear. Speaking of phones, Mike, are you are you standing in a vortex or something? Your line is terrible. Could you move ever so slightly? I, I, I can I can jump around. I should say there you the go, wrong thing. The, the wrong thing to say here is that I'm driving a car while I'm talking oh, to you. Oh God, you're not. <laughs> no, are you? but, no. no, I'm not. No, that would be the wrong thing to say. Exactly. No, no we're Stay out of location. Stay where you are. Don't move. Stay where you are. Yeah, this, I've got we, it. this website, policewitness.com, is this the right way to, to improve driving on our roads, do you think? Well, I think anything will help. I mean, I don't want people to turn into road user vigilantes, uh, and clearly if somebody is going to be taking a video of somebody that's breaking the law on the road, they should be doing it themselves whilst they're driving a the car. You know, it's only people that can do this standing on the side of the road or, or um, you know, witness it as they're crossing the road at a set of traffic lights or a zebra crossing. You you can't, you shouldn't do this for yourself from your phone because otherwise you're endangering road users uh, yourself. Why, um, why do people, Mike, feel... Uh, they get so aggressive in cars, right? And uh, vehicles. I was I uh, pulled in front of a lorry the other day. I'd been indicating there was plenty of room. Didn't cut him up on the on the M1. He got annoyed, flashed me, beat me, and I just I kind of gave the wave, a proper wave, just say thank you very much. Sorry if there's any trouble there. He then pulled up beside me and tried to ram my car off the road. Wow! Wow! He was, he was driving in, pulling in towards me. It was incredible. Why wow. do people feel they can do that in cars? You wouldn't do that walking down the street, would you? Well, no, you wouldn't. And I don't know. Once people surround themselves with a car, they think that they've got uh, you know a big weapon, a big tool around them. They can behave in a threatening and an aggressive Ooh. manner. Um, I, I witness it. All all the time. Me, I've got one of those targets I drive around on my car, I'm sure I do, because people tend to pick on me on the motorways and on UK roads, and, one, and I'm always being heckled or people waving their fists at me. Are you sure oh, it's just not just you driving by? Yeah, yeah possibly. Mike. Yeah, possibly. I just don't think people like me that much. No, but the truth is, I think people these days, have, they're just hell-bent on getting where they want to go. Everyone's under a lot of pressure uh, these days to get to work on time, to do their jobs on time, because uh, you know, jobs are being lost left, right and centre, and people have got 
got their head down and I'm not focusing on, I'm just getting to work. I, I started, I, I did this the other week. Uh, we was uh, travelling the length and breadth of the country. I was going from Plymouth uh, to Snowdonia. So it was a very long journey last week for filming on wheeler dealers. And, uh, and I decided to just drive the whole distance at 60 miles an hour and, mm. see, uh, and see what difference that would make to my journey. I actually got there. 25 minutes behind the camera crew had raced on ahead wow. and I got there feeling so relaxed, so comfortable and and it did make a difference. It made a difference to my whole day. Hey. Uh, so if people just step back a little bit, ease off the accelerator, smile at their fellow motorists instead of wave their fist at them, then nobody would feel the need to reach for a camera and to video them doing something illegal. Hey, here's the thing, drivers. When you drive up my backside and flash me to make me go faster, if anything, that makes me slow down a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So that, Mike, exactly. listen, thank you very much much for your time. Mike Brewer, motoring, motoring journalist and broadcaster. Uh, well, Jonathan Vernon-Smith is going to be uh, discussing this on the big phone-in. Today he's asking, should we all help the police by filming dangerous drivers? Now, one thing I didn't know about this the, the, this, te- this um, policewitness.com is it costs money. Didn't men- Alan didn't mention that when he came in, did he? Alan Featherston, the guy that set it up, didn't mention this. J- Jason and Hitchin. I've just been to this website, and in my opinion, it might take quite a while to catch on. Firstly, it's a membership service, and that comes with the recommendation cameras. The two cameras available are 150 and £200, which I think is a bit expensive. Or, if you have your own suitable and acceptable evidence-gathering camera, it costs £11 to report each separate offence, or £60 a year membership for reporting alleged offences through them, How many of your listeners today will really be prepared to pay extra on top of council tax and road fund excise to have this service? I pay for the police already and want the focus of their efforts looked at, not a pay-per-view type service. Jason in Hitchin. Yes, Alan didn't mention the fees. Uh, And texts 81333, start your text 3CR. On on things you have seen, David, I saw a white van man driving on the M25 making a roll-up cigarette with both hands, steering with his elbows. Banned smoking whilst driving. Yeah, my dad used to do that in the 70s. He he didn't didn't drive with his elbows, he drove with his knees. Uh, Andy from Standard, I'm a passenger in a car as I'm partially sighted, and I can drive better than most people I see on the road. Why oh why? I like it. We don't get enough why oh whys. I want more why oh whys from you, please. Why oh why do people go straight over a roundabout in the right-hand lane? And when turning right on a roundabout, do people cut across you in the left lane? Really annoying and dangerous. Uh, And Barry in Stevenage. Having recently been knocked over whilst crossing the road in Stevenage, the driver of the vehicle got out of his car and said, didn't you know there's a pelican crossing down the road? Well, I so, said, so I hope he has better luck than I Oh, Barry, is that a joke? Have I just read a joke out there? It's like getting texts from someone called Jenny Taylor. We've all done it, we've all done it. Although I do know, a friend of mine, she's called Jenny. She married a man called Nick Taylor. She's now called Jenny Taylor. That's her name. That's actually her name. Can you believe that? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call on that and also... Um, a bad things you have seen in the cinema. What, what, what annoying habits you have. I must admit, if I'm sat on my own in the pictures, and I'm sat in a dark corner, and the film's a little bit boring, looper, I have been known on occasion, it was, it was, no, I'm arguing my, my, my producer, Laura, who, um, we both love time travel movies, and we disagree on looper. I thought it was appalling. The, the further away I get from it, the more I think it was appalling. She has a soft spot for it, even though it was flawed. The, the time travel didn't work, without getting too geeky. The whole paradox thing didn't work. Yeah, I know. We'll stop it there. I'm coming back. Don't worry. Coming back from the precipice. Uh, I I was sat in the cinema on my own in a corner and I did kind of just turn on my phone just to check my emails and texts a little bit. 
I don't think that was causing too much. It's the noise. It's people talking. Oh, I do like it when uh, at the end of a film there's a round of applause. A spontaneous round of applause at the end of a movie is cracking. Although another member of the team, Kelly Betts, was watching Final Destination. Yeah, you know, the awful <laughs> Final Destination. It's about people dying on a roller coaster or something. And there was a round of applause at the end of that. For Final Destination. It's a terrible film. On BBC Three Counties <laughs> Radio. <laughs> Wasn't laughing at the trailer. Wasn't laughing at the trailer. I was laughing because Jonathan Vernon Smith has come in and he's told me he's off to a very swanky restaurant <laughs> owned by Top Chef Gary Rhodes. And I went, oh, he's the buff one. And yeah. you're, no, 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 he's not buff at all. Not buff in the slightest. I don't think... Uh, well, you've just shown me a picture to prove he is buff. He's got a 12-pack. He's buff, isn't he? He's buff. He's got, like, mus- muscular boobs. He's buff. But a very white body. <laughs> you would spray that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> spray tan it. Now, listen, I had a marvellous, a marvellous experience yesterday. I was in Luton. I was in one of those pound shops, the pound stretchers, the 99p shop, one of those. Why? Well, I believe it's someone's birthday tomorrow. <laughs> what? Hang on, you went to a pound shop for my birthday. It's someone's birthday tomorrow. It is my birthday and tomorrow. And so I was, yes. sh- I was shopping. It In was a, a pound b- shop? What's wrong with that? They do excellent quality stuff at really good value prices. It's a pound. Oh. And they were playing Slade's Merry Christmas, everybody. And I was there holding a present, possibly, for someone's birthday tomorrow. I don't know. Listening to Slade and thinking, life doesn't get any better than this. See, for me, it almost proves that hell does exist... It's just on Earth. Oh, it was wonderful. A you pound shop with Slade playing. It was good. It made me feel... Chris- I love Christmas. Do you love Christmas or are you a bit of a Scrooge? Uh, it's all right. Oh, come on. It's generally a bit boring. Oh, shut up. That's not boring. No, you get the best dinner of... No, 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 no let me finish. No, You've got children. This isn't your show. This is mine. Let me finish. I'm not going ri- to let you ride roughshod over me like you do with your callers. <laughs> you get the best meal of the year. A lovely roast dinner. You get presents. You get a Christmas tree with lights on and chocolates. And you get a double edition of Coronation Street. Wonderful. You've got children. Yeah, even it's, without kids, I love it. It's fun if you've got children. If you've yeah. not got children yeah. in a family, then yeah. it's, uh, it's quite boring come to our christmas day generally i have to cook yeah uh then the family come round, yeah. and it's all stressful because you've got all the roast going wonderful then you sit down Ooh. and uh my grandmother she can't hear anything so she's going on and on and repeating the same stories over and over again yeah. then she keeps saying oh is it time for the queen and oh, then you've got and then everyone falls asleep and it drags on yes. and on and on but yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, I hope, listen, just, let's just say, come in a little bit early tomorrow because we've, we've got presents. Presents. Re- really? Yeah, yeah. Presents. Plural. Yep, yep I spent two quid. <laughs> I, did really? get them from the, I did get them from the... But it's good value. Good value. It's a bit of a bargain. Listen, don't, don't, don't be all snooty. There's a present to present. It shows, you know, it's the thought that counts. Oh. Coming up on the big phone in this morning at nine, should we all help the police by filming dangerous drivers? I'm very interested in this website you're talking about this yes. morning. A new website has been set up encouraging members of the public to film motorists who are driving dangerously. Some drivers in the three counties have already received warning letters from the police after footage of them has been uploaded onto the website policewitness.com. Well, from nine this morning, I want us to continue this discussion. I want to hear from you. Should we all help the police by filming dangerous drivers? Do you think it's a good 
idea or will it ultimately uh, make the roads even more dangerous mm. with people frantically trying to reach for their mobile phones when they see someone else talking on a mobile phone and i also and i'd love to hear from you after nine if you are someone that admits you either speed oh. or you use a mobile phone behind the wheel or you tailgate hey. will this now stop you this mm. website will you be afraid that someone will catch you so you'll improve the quality of your driving oh eight four five nine four double five five double five should we all help the police by filming dangerous drivers do you want them wrapped or should i just leave them in the bag um it really depends if it's worth it well they're good i mean they're good presents they're from a pound shop i wouldn't bother just give them to me in a carry bag okay fine you saved me a job thank you very much yeah thanks well that's awkward how ungrateful. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I made an effort. I said to my team yesterday, right, I'm going to go shopping for a, a present for JVS for his birthday. Is there a pound shop or a, a 99p shop? And they said, oh, yes, there's a, there's a few in Luton. And I went, to, I went to, to three different shops. I got him cracking presents, I think. How ungrateful. I might keep them for myself. Well, not one of them. One of them is horrible. Now, moving on. The radical Muslim cleric. Oh, no, not yet. I do apologise. Oh, I do apologise. Look, we're going to go to Justin Dealey. Justin Dealey has been uh, monitoring uh, this fire all morning. Sorry, Justin, I was getting ahead of myself. That's okay. Uh, Tell us exactly where you are and what's going on now. Well, I'm at Apspon Lane in St Albans, which is uh, directly above uh, Junction 8 of the M1. Uh, The M1 is moving. Uh, The fire's still raging. It has been since the early hours of Sunday morning. The flames are still a good 30 foot high. But but there is a group of volunteers. I mentioned this briefly earlier on. Uh, They've been here since Sunday feeding the firemen who are doing a cracking job. I think it's really important we give these guys a mention this morning. One of the volunteers here is Simon Moffat. He is from Chiswell Green, and I spoke to him earlier this morning. Well, we're pleased to give up a couple of hours. We've been down here half past five through to seven o'clock and just give the guys coming on, going off, get breakfast, something to hop to drink, and uh, you know, do what we can, the yeah. very least we can do, because you know these guys, a lot of them are volunteers anyway, and uh, we're very happy to just do the very least we can to give them something warm to drink and eat. It's very, very kind of you. That They certainly appreciate it. So what's on the menu this morning? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you can have anything you like as long as it's bacon rolls yeah. and muffins. Oh, it sounds fantastic. But just to be serious for a second, we are standing, what, about 100 yards away from this fire. We're still looking at 30-foot flames. You as a local... Would you agree with our listeners, this was an accident waiting to happen here? Well, I passed by up to two or three times every day, and if I've had somebody in the car, almost invariably I've said, that's going to go up soon. It's, this place has been up in flames several times already, very often smoking, causing a lot of inconvenience to the neighbourhood um, with fumes and smoke from time to time. And I think there are going to be a lot of people absolutely incensed that nothing has been done. The authorities have turned a blind eye, as it seems, to uh, uh, allowing something to build up, which is now a major serious problem. Okay, just lastly, you mentioned about other people being incensed. What about yourself? How angry do you feel? Because it certainly seems that, that you, our listeners, everyone knew it was coming, nothing was done. How angry do you feel this morning, just briefly? Well... Probably more angry with myself that I never spoke to authorities um, and said, "Look, this is going to happen. Why aren't we doing something about it? We're all responsible, uh, really." 
So the words there are Simon Moffat. His mobile phone was going in. I spoke to Simon at, what, 20 past seven this morning. He was due in Lincoln for nine o'clock. I said to him, are you mad? He responded with, yes, I am. Mm. And uh, he went off. But he was saying there how angry he feels. He wanted to phone the authorities. We spoke to Marlene earlier on. She lives opposite this recycling plant. She did phone the authorities, but nothing was done. And here we are looking at this fire, which could go on for days, if not weeks. Can I just say, we've, we've tried to get the council on the, the show, and, and they're being slightly reluctant. Come on the show and, and tell us about this, please, because this is a big thing. And also, we've tried to get the company uh, involved with this on the show, and they ain't answering no mm. phone calls. Yes, I have to say, I mean, it's something that all of our listeners are talking about as well. Everyone that I think has driven past this site, uh, Junction 8 of the motorway, uh, they can still see the wood. It is piled high. 30-foot piles of wood here. It's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Nothing was done. And now, of course, we're talking about a fire, but there have been other fires here as mm. well, so it's certainly not the first time, Ian. Justin, thank you very much indeed. We will keep trying to get the council and uh, the, the company involved to come on the show. Now, I can go to this story now that I was, I was jumping uh, to a bit earlier. The radical Muslim cleric Abu Qatada will be freed on bail this morning. It's after he won the latest stage in his legal battle to avoid deportation to his native Jordan. He's wanted for plotting bomb attacks there. This was the reaction in the House of Commons uh, uh, to the Home Secretary Theresa May. The government strongly disagrees with this ruling. Qatada is a dangerous man, a suspected terrorist, who is accused of serious crimes in his home country of Jordan. We will therefore seek leave to appeal today's decision. We can get more on this now with our reporter, James Alexander. Morning, James. Morning, Ian. Uh, Abu Qatada has been described as a dangerous preacher of hate and a threat to our national security. If he's wanted on terror charges in Jordan, where he comes from, why, why can't he just be sent back there? You know, it's interesting hearing this morning that omni-shambles has been voted Oxford Dictionary's Word of the Year because some may see this saga as a perfect example. You may remember last month another radical cleric, Abu Hamza, he's the one with a hook for a hand. He was successfully extradited to America, but Abu Qatada, with a long grey beard, he is still here. Now, he's not a British citizen, but he was granted asylum here 18 years ago, so he can't just be turfed out. The main stumbling block in getting him removed is that the evidence against him in his native Jordan has come from the torture of others. Now this isn't allowed under the European Convention on Human Rights that Britain is signed up to and this is why the Home Secretary went to Jordan to get a promise that evidence obtained through torture wouldn't be used and he would get a fair trial. But now a judge here has ruled that promise can't be guaranteed and so Abu Qatada can't be deported. I'm confused slightly James, the legal marathon has gone on for, for years now, why can't he mm. be put on trial here? This is what his supporters say. If he's so dangerous, then prosecute him here. Campaigners believe the reason that hasn't happened is because it could mean all kinds of sensitive and perhaps embarrassing information would have to be made public in court. So after a decade now spent trying to deport Abu Qatada, a man once described as Osama bin Laden's right-hand man in Europe, is free to walk Britain's streets. Uh, a lot of people I, I heard on various phone-in shows yesterday were saying, if this was France, they dump him on a plane and send him back straight away. Is there any chance the government will ignore the verdict and do that here? 
not really. This is what some conservative backbenchers would like. You just ignore the judges um, and get him on the first plane out of here. It's what a lot of people would like. You know, you read the papers. It's what a lot of papers would like. But the Home Secretary has made it pretty clear this is not something they're considering. This would be illegal under international law. Instead, the Home Office will now try to overturn this ruling at the Court of Appeal. But make no mistake, Ian, ministers are now running out of legal road, and it is now possible Abu Qatada could be in the UK for good. James Alexander, thank you very much for that indeed. I, you know, I, it's confusing, isn't it? But I suppose one of the things, the good things about this country is that we do have people like Theresa May who, who does follow the letter of the law. And there were people yesterday saying, oh, if in France, they'd whack him on a plane and send him over there. But yeah, we need to lead by example, don't we? Maybe I'm being naive and, and using sixth form politics there. Call 08459 455 555. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. In about 45 minutes, I'll be chomping on an egg, buddy. Beautiful. Coming up in the last half hour of the show, before JVS at nine, e-cigarettes, they might help some people give up smoking. But do you mind if people use them in the workplace? I find there's a real kind of smugness about those people. And an etiquette guide for the cinema has been published. What annoys you most about other filmgoers? Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Helen Milton Keynes has texted 81333, starting her text 3CR. And she's done it in capital letters, which means she's shouting because she's angry. I hate people making noises, like drinking through straws. They're making that noise at the end of the cup. Plus phones. You mean this noise? <laughs> that noise. Yeah, it's not good. And Ian, I had a cinema card last year. As many films as you like, 15 quid a month. I had to cancel it, as it was so painful. Every time I went there, there was an incident. Talking. Phones ringing, ringing, and most of all, if in an empty cinema, me sitting in a nice little seat, and then someone come and sitting directly in front of me, despite having five hundred other seats to sit in. Ah, says Heidi. I know what you mean. They do that. People do that, don't they? There'll be some psychological reason for this. If you're in an empty cinema or a near empty cinema, someone will come and sit on your row, maybe not right next to you, but but, but one seat away from you, or or in front of you. No, no, don't, don't do that. This is one of the luxuries. I have been in a cinema where it was just me. I, I was watching a rubbish film. I was watching the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah, I know. I know. I like that film. I like that film. And those of you who've seen that film and know me will know why I like that film. But it's got the monkeys in it. But, no, I know. I watched it on my own. It was like, it was the greatest luxury of all time. A cinema all to myself. Wonderful. But uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Britney Spears, Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen, what have they got in common? Yes, they're all American. There's more to it. They are also celebrities who are trying to quit smoking using the electronic cigarette. In fact, Charlie Sheen, do you remember when he was going mad and was going to have a breakdown and die? What happened to that? I was enjoying that. I was enjoying all the tiger's blood. Charlie Sheen has recently launched his own e-cigarette company. But just how safe are they? Some workplaces are banning the e-cig as there's no evidence to show they're not dangerous. 
If you've seen them, they look like proper cigarettes, but there's a bit of water vapour with nicotine comes out instead of smoke and tar. Well, Alina Saul is a Luton Public Health Programme Manager from the NHS. Good morning, Alina. Good morning, Ian. What's the issues with e-cigarettes? Well, as you say, you know, people are kind of using them to get themselves off of cigarettes. And I think they do, there, there is potential there for them to be a quitting aid, but we need evidence to show that they are effective. And they are, it, it's likely that they are less harmful than cigarettes, but we don't know what's in them. So issue number one is they're not regulated. We don't know the amount of nicotine that's being delivered when you um, inhale on them, and we don't know what else is in them. So we need regulation. Is nicotine itself inherently dangerous? Because that's not what causes the lung cancer, is it? No, but nicotine itself does have health effects, uh, physiological health effects on the body, for instance, increasing your heart rate. So it's not an inert substance, and it's highly addictive. So when people are addicted to smoking, it's because of the nicotine. So when they take products like nicotine replacement therapy to come off of cigarettes, it's a very, very low dose of nicotine. Well, what's the problem with people smoking them in the workplace? Because the, the, it's becoming more and more popular, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I think um, they are, people are kind of giving them a go. Um, some people, I mean, they're not, they're not totally widespread at the moment, but there's two issues with the workplace or with them in general, is that, as I was saying, you know, nicotine, it's highly addictive. And smoking is an addictive habit, but there's also the habitual side to it as well. So if you're using something like an e-cigarette, it's just reinforcing your smoking habit. You're doing it when you'd normally smoke a cigarette. It's the same kind of sensation. You're going through the same motion, so it's not really helping to break that habit side of it. What interested me was you said, Alina, we, we don't know what's in them. No. Don't, don't we know? Uh, well, no, we don't. Wow. <laughs> They're That's not regulated, so you don't have to actually list the ingredients. And nicotine, a <laughs> nicotine is uh, is interesting as well because you can actually say the amount of nicotine that's in the product, but how that actually um, is then absorbed in the body is a very different matter. Would you agree with me, Alina, that the people who smoke these cigarettes, and I've seen them uh, at gigs, and I've seen them uh, in comedy clubs and pubs, they have a certain a smugness about them, don't they? It's like they're, they're, they're going, yeah, you, it looks like I'm smoking a cigarette, but you can't stop me. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's, that's a bit of an issue as well when we're trying to enforce smoke-free legislation because the water vapour that comes out of them does very much look like smoke. But I think, you know, they, they could just be a fad as well. And I, and I think you do have people trying them and saying, yeah, look at me, I'm, I'm so cool, I'm smoking where I shouldn't be smoking. But, you know, I think they might run their course. Alina Salt, uh, Luton Public Health Programme Manager from the NHS, thank you very much indeed. Have you, have you seen these? Do you use them? Is it just a fad? It does strike me as odd. If you want to stop smoking, here's what you do. You stop smoking. Don't have gum and patches and, and nicotine. Don't, 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 because that's... You're, you're just becoming addicted to something else. You're still getting the nicotine, which is the addictive part. Just stop. Just stop smoking. I know it's, it's, it's easier said than done. Very, very addictive. But it can be done, and it can be done quite easily. There are ways of doing it quite easily. Maybe we'll do a phone-in on that one day and uh, on ways you, you quit smoking. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We're, we're uh, looking for your calls on uh, the naughty behaviour in cinemas. We've got a couple of minutes. Let's have a quick look at the front pages, shall we, and see what's going on. Oh, blimey, look, the papers are everywhere. Let's have a little look. The Independent. Payday lenders cash in on debt woes. Oh, The Independent doing a story we did last week, are you? Oh, independent doing a story we did last week about back, uh, payday lenders and, and, and um, loan sharks. Oh, that's fine, yes. Aggressive payday lenders are planning to cash in on the vulnerable this Christmas by encouraging them to take out expensive short-term credit. 
Um, and uh, good morning. Here is the news from the BBC. More people leaving the BBC or being asked to stand aside. Um, the Guardian. Um, I mean, these, oh, no, these are last week's papers. How have I got these? Oh, for goodness sakes, that's last week's papers. I do apologise. I, I thought Philip Schofield giving out uh, the, the information to David Cameron. No, here's, the, here's the today's newspapers. The Guardian. Watchdog investigates claims of LIBOR-like fixing of gas price. And executives could face action over Newsnight. Uh, the Express. Exercise beats arthritis pain. And Michael McIntyre. Other comics don't like me because I'm happy. No, they don't like you because you're not funny. The da- <laughs> Did I say that out loud? He's a very nice man, Michael McIntyre. I've met him many times. The Daily Mail, the immoral tax avoiders. Amazon, Starbucks and Google lashed by MPs over elaborate schemes that deprive Britain of millions. Uh, the Times, BBC looks outside to salvage its reputation. And Chancellor tells Tories to back gay marriage. The Telegraph, um, oh, this is the, uh, the, the, the CIA agent who's had an affair with uh, a, a sexy lady. There's a picture of the sexy lady on the front page. I don't quite know why. But she's there. And BBC boss was paid double to go quietly. Uh, and finally, the sun. There's a picture of uh, a lady's breasts. Um, and Abu Hiss. Terror boss Katada, free today, costing £5 million a year. Uh, the, the lady's boobs are, are relevant because it's to do with I'm a celebrity. And that's what Joe in Letchworth has called in. Joe! Hello, how are you? It was a tenuous way of getting myself out of a slight uh, tight squeeze. I'm good, thank you very much. Uh, you saw the celebrity show last night. I did, I did. But I must say, again, like, um, I want to say about the cinemas. When we go to the cinema, shut up while I'm watching a oh, film. Man. <laughs> is it, the thing is, it costs so much money. I, I don't go to the cinema in central London anymore, because I, last time I went, it was like 13 quid. I thought, well, I might as well just wait a month and I'll buy the DVD for that. But I, uh, but I, I go to some, I, I go to the cinema in Luton a fair bit, uh, well, once, and I go to them outside of London, and it's still a lot of money. I'm paying a lot of money. Shut up. Exactly. I'm here to watch a film. It's cost me an arm and leg to take the kids. Shut up while I'm watching it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I do like I do like a good pick and mix in the, the the pictures though. And I once um I once filled the pick and mix so much. The pick and mix cost me seventeen quid, right? Because I had a lot, and it was just me and my wife. And the the girl went, "Oh my god, I've never seen such a big pick and mix." And I was like, "Yeah, wicked." <laughs> no, it's not. It's not something to be proud of at thirty nine. But I was, and I said to her, "Are you saying this is the biggest pick and mix you've ever done?" She went, "Yeah." I went, and I actually said out loud. Yeah, wicked. <laughs> I'm, 30, <laughs> I'm 39. She was 17. She was. Did, she had no way to react to it. Now, Joe, I'm a celebrity. Yes, yes, you saw it. What did you make of it? I was quite. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the Dean Doris. I don't think she's going to last, and I think we're going to have lots of fun because. <laughs> oh, you're you're a naughty man, Joe. Uh, it, it, it's nice to be naughty. Um, so the Dean Doris and was it Helen Flanagan yep. when they when they went in in the bug burial. I don't think Helen Flanagan is going to last more than another few days because she's just an absolute wreck. How long did she? How long did, did she's the girl from Coronation Street? How long did she last in the bug burial? Uh, about six, seven seconds. As soon as they put the first, the first set of bugs in, yeah. that was it. She started screaming, "Let me out! Let me out!" Good for her. And then Nadine, she lasted. So I'm sort of, we're still sort of halfway with Nadine because she she was stayed in there for what five, six minutes. Yeah. Um, and in the end, she she just cracked and, and, and couldn't do it. So I think the public bless them; they're just going to keep voting. Well, she's her in. up. She's up for the next challenge. Do we do we know what the next challenge is? Well, I haven't looked at it yet. Oh, um, okay. 
but I'm, I'm going to be watching it very, very closely tonight is, she, because I'm hoping she's going to be in there again. She doesn't stand a chance, does she? Because she has, she is the one that's had the most publicity. She's been on the front pages of all the papers, and the, yep. the others have hardly had a look in. So she's the one that people are going to be most familiar with. There's this, all this furore about her being an MP. They're just going to keep going for her now, aren't they? I think they are, and um, I think Helen Flanagan, I, th- I think they'll go for her because she's she's such an easy target. Yeah, yeah. And I hate to say it, as, as British people, we, we, we're, we're very good at um, uh, uh, bringing other people down with us. So when we see other people suffering, it, it brings joy to us. Yeah. Makes us well, makes that's us what the show's about. Do you remember years ago, um, Cl- what's his name, Clive James, uh, used to show a Japanese TV show called Endurance. Do you remember that? And we'd all go, oh my God, the the Japanese are so cruel. This is like a million times worse than endurance. But then then they'd have like a scorpion down their pants. Now you'll have a hundred scorpions all down your pants. Ten thousand bugs it was, wasn't it, last night? Ten thousand bugs. Imagine, imagine, uh, I I, I turned the heads in the office yesterday by saying out loud, imagine where one of those maggots could get to. And I I, I verbalised it. I won't do it on the radio. I I, I like my job. But they, (laughs) they, they can get in every nook and cranny. Yeah, but eat, eat your way out. But they, they don't actually taste that bad. I've, I've accidentally eaten a couple when I've... I'm not worried about them going in my mouth. It's the other end. <laughs> well, clench up. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. Thank you. I didn't understand what he said there, and I'm, I'm happy I didn't understand it. I'm sure it's something vulgar and totally inappropriate for a BBC breakfast show. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. 81333. Start your text 3CR. I love going to the pictures. If you look carefully, a lot of the cinemas will have, sort of on, a, on a Tuesday afternoon, Afternoon, a one o'clock showing that's two pounds or something. They, they do. It's weird. they. Um, I, I, my uh, a while ago, last year when I was in North London, the local cinema. I walked past it. It was Wednesday, one thirty. There's a lot of old people queuing outside. What are these old people queuing outside the pictures for? I had a look. They were celebrating eighty years, I think, of that cinema being there. So they were showing an eighty-year-old film and loads of newsreel footage from that from that era. A quid. Oh, I was in there. I was in the film. It was terrible, but it was fantastic seeing all this old newsreel footage. I loved it. I do like the pictures. It's too expensive. And there are so many annoying things. People talking on their phones. People talking on their phones. I've heard that. Uh, people who don't turn, off, don't turn off their phones. People eating. People chatting. Oh, it's so annoying. Well, never fear, because an etiquette guide for cinema goers has been put together after a poll revealed that more than half of audiences get annoyed by people talking during the film. Only just over half? Richard Fitzwilliams is a film critic and social commentator. Joins me now. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. I have to say, though as a film critic I go to a lot of previews, I very often do catch up, because I've got to because of the various things I do, I catch up with a lot of movies in the cinemas mm. with other people and how right you are there are a lot of problems what, what what annoys you about going to the cinema well there's a huge problem with popcorn i mean you can't blame people totally because this is sold mm. in the foyer at inflated prices by the way which i make me shudder but nonetheless well, popcorn costs about tuppence to make and they they sell it for about two pounds fifty what about coca-cola it's even worse mm. than various sizes the point is unfortunately that you can't prevent them from taking it in if they're encouraged to buy it. Mm. Once in the cinema and talking with popcorn, I mean, you've got a noise that you have to move away from. Most cinemas aren't packed as a result you can normally do it, but this isn't uh, very desirable. Imagine in an opera or in a theatre, <laughs> people even beginning to behave like this. Of course they yes. don't. And as for talking, I mean, the 
fortunately, it's decades ago that uh, the cinema used to be the place for a kiss and a cuddle, and I don't mind what people get up to so long as they get up to it quietly. The point, <laughs> do I'm, people do that anymore? I, I, I don't, I, I don't think, think so. they do. It's such a shame. I, it's always great to go, hey, look look at them in the back row. They're, they're getting, you know, it's, I love all that. Oh, well, I mean, after all, as I say, as long as they're quiet, I don't mind. But what if they come, <laughs> what if they come in late that can't yes. be avoided either. I mean, certain yes. theatres will not let you in as far as... I mean, take, for example, the nail-biting tension of Ben Affleck's Argo. I mean, you are going to be glued to the movie. You are going to find this almost tangible. We may know how it ends, but my goodness me, it's well done. Mm. Or, for example, the duels bet- verbally between Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master as the head of this cult versus Joachim Phoenix, who's a drifter whom, uh, well, audiences will find out what it is. You've just mentioned the two films I'm desperate to go and see. Are they, are they worth going to see very quickly? Uh, they very definitely Excellent. are. Thank and you, Richard. you are drawn to something on the screen. Mm. You do not want a distraction. And the distraction of people moving around, who are the people who are casual, people who are munching, people who are talking, it's infuriating, but the problem is what do you do about it? As far as mobile phones are concerned, I mean, that's just bad manners. Yep. It's horrible. The, mo- the danger, the movie industry's danger of piracy, this is another issue. But, I mean, there is no doubt you're casual when you go in, but why not behave in a decent manner? i tell you how you sort it out, Richard. One fell swoop. Bring back the ushers. Bring back a stroppy woman or a, a grumpy man with a torch. The danger, unfortunately... And we've got these in the previews, of course, because of the piracy problem. I mean, very often you've you've got someone in the aisles who wanders up and down, and often several people, uniformed, who, as in some cases, who are looking for precisely what you're you're mentioning. Uh, the trouble is, it's very very costly, yeah. and I fear it wouldn't work. And if you've got, for example, some performances with almost nobody there, mm. then you've got personnel doing nothing. These multiplexes, though, uh, you know, as convenient as they are, they don't care, do they, Richard? They're they're just money-making machines. They don't care about the art of Argo or, you know, the the, the majesty of the master. They don't care about these things. Well, uh, Bernard Shaw once commented, the cinema is also an industry. (laughs) If only we had the system where British films, as in France, you have to show a certain percentage mm. of your what you show has to be the local product. It's very difficult, and of course, this isn't the system because the system is there to make money. I'm not saying, however, what is on screen is often soulless. Sometimes, of course, as well we know, as we've been discussing, is it's absolutely brilliant. Look at Affleck, perhaps the next Clint Eastwood. If this is the case. People should be given the chance and the right, but f- because remember they paid. They've paid a they've lot paid of money. Quite a lot of money. Richard, we, we're running out of time. Can I ask you one, one final question, sir, before I let you go? Sure. When was the last time you had a kiss and a cuddle in the back of the cinema? Well, I'm sorry to say that uh, I d- haven't been, but I do remember in Scorsese's The Departed, interesting things can happen in the cinema, <laughs> and perhaps other people are up to that. I'd simply leave you with the thought. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Richard. There's always time. There's always time. Thank you very much. Well, um, Justin Dealey, our reporter, has been uh, hearing more on this. Let's find out what people have been saying about what annoys them in the pictures. Well, Dan, we can hear the James Bond music in the background. You have to watch Skyfall. What annoys you when you're in the cinema? 
just generally uh, people kicking the seats and throwing things around, I suppose, really. Now, once somebody kicks your seat, have you ever turned around and said, stop that, now? Uh, I haven't, no, because usually it's like a little kid and you hope that the parent might might say something to them. <laughs> so a message to any parents listening this morning, if you're taking your child to the cinema, keep them under control. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's probably a good one. <laughs> <laughs> now, Morgan... Somebody tells me you're 18 years old today. Is this correct? That is correct. Happy birthday. So it's uh, a night out at the cinema to watch James Bond as a birthday treat. Yes, it is. Now, when you're inside that cinema, what's going to get your goat? Um, people eating popcorn and just being really loud and noisy. And like people just checking their phones every now and again and yeah. distracting me. Well, I know cinemas have got to make money, but the sound of popcorn, it can be very, very annoying. Should they ban popcorn from the cinema? Uh, I don't know whether they should ban it altogether because it's kind of like an iconic thing to eat mm. popcorn in the cinema, but it can get a bit of ha- out of hand sometimes. Narissa, again, about to go and watch Skyfall, the James Bond film this evening. Um, when you're inside a cinema, what really, really annoys you? Young kids talking and laughing and screaming, making noises at each other, especially in scary films. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, has it ever got that bad? You turned around and said, Oi! I haven't, um, but I do know people who have. <laughs> What about yourself, sir? What gets your goat? Um, the same kind of thing, to be honest. I've definitely said oi before in the past. It's just kids, screaming kids, kids playing around, kids messing around. Bit of popcorn throwing, I don't mind. We all used to do that when we were kids. <laughs> Have you ever seen public displays of affection in a cinema? Um, we were all young once. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you see the odd couple of things, but it's best to turn a blind eye, I think. Uh, just last, so you've got your popcorn here. That's one of the things which people find very annoying, loud popcorn. Can you pick up your popcorn for me? Let's just see how loud you are. Okay, start eating for me. Oh, you are going out with a noisy eater, aren't you? <laughs> I don't Outrageous. Get this man some manners now. <laughs> I'm used to it. Guys, enjoy the film. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. very much. That's the noise I used to make when I was snogging. That's my snogging noise. Do you remember when you're like 15, 16 and you're snogging? It's like really noisy. <laughs> Don't kiss like that when you're a grown-up, do you? Well, Justin Dealey joins us uh, now. Good morning, Justin. Oh, Ian, I don't want to hear about that snogging <laughs> noise. That is disgusting. <laughs> Let go now, please. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that you didn't go and stand up in the middle of Skyfall <laughs> and say, right, what annoys you, everybody? <laughs> well, you know what? I was actually tempted. I walked in the door and there was a few hard nuts in there, so I walked the other way. <laughs> now, listen, Justin, we have been uh, banging on. We didn't mention it yesterday, but last week we are talking about this plan that I laughed at and scoffed at for you to re- Recreate as much of the uh, Luton Town uh, AstroTurf pitch mm. as possible because you've got a tiny little square oh, yes, that, that they have. saw you coming and they said, hey, here comes a mug, let's charge him <laughs> £10 for next to nothing. My pocket money, I'll have you know. <laughs> yeah, what, what a waste. Uh, but but you, how's it going? How is this AstroTurf the, the, the plan developing? Well, it's going very well, actually, of course. Uh, Luton Town's AstroTurf pitch, uh, very iconic in the 80s and the 90s. Only a few clubs had them. 21 years on, we are trying to track down the pitch. We think we've got about 60 to 70% of the pitch. Wow. Uh, we may need a crane for this. We oh were hoping... <laughs> did you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the crane last week. Did you see the management's faces drop? Well, you I did. I did. And I was thinking, well, what, what do you want? Do you want the pitch or not? You know, come on, for goodness sake. So uh, we may need a crane. We definitely need an ex-player. Mick Harford, if you're listening, I tried you yesterday. I couldn't leave a message for you. Oh. I'll be trying you again today if that's you promi- OK. You promised us a player, Justin. Well, hopefully Mick. I mean, ideally Mick's the one we want because, of course, 
course, he scored the own goal um, the last game on that pitch. Not for losing for Derby County, but he's yep. a Luton Town legend. And, of course, our car park is not big enough, so we need a new location. That has been agreed in principle. As soon as that's confirmed, okay. I shall be revealing so, so, all of those details. Well, we, we have, surprisingly, we've got people who want to come. Someone mm. asked if we were selling tickets. <laughs> we can make a few quid out of this, mate. I think so. I mean, we were thinking about this Friday, but, of course, children in need coming up. I think no. we should concentrate on that. Let's do it the Nuts. week after. We've got a lot of people still in contact. Again, okay. if you have a piece of the pitch, the old AstroTurf pitch, ring the AstroTurf hotline now. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Thank you. Justin, thank you very much. Well, you can send us an email as well, 3CR at bbc.co.uk. Put in the subject heading, Ian Lee, AstroTurf. Yes, I know. Thank you, everyone, for taking part. We'll be back tomorrow at six o'clock. Don't forget, it's Jonathan Vernon Smith's birthday tomorrow, and I've got him two lovely, lovely presents. Not going to bother wrapping them, just going to give them in a plastic bag. Ta-ta! Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. He's all heart.